Welcome to Tales from the East End, episode 214, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, it's the prof, Carl Riley. This week's match report. Skip! <laughs> yeah. Don't think we'll be going through that one with a fine tooth comb, prof. But of course, we are still sponsored by the fantastic Ocean Electrical and uh, Leicester Credit. And um, yeah, they've been with us since for a long time now, so we we got to big them up. I'm not even going to mess around this week. Um, big, big thanks to them for helping us out in every way possible. A genuine, genuine thanks. They've been brilliant and they've helped us go all over the world. And, and pay they for genuinely it. do got your back. They, they actually do have your back, yeah. Um, so they've helped us out with equipment and all sorts. So definitely, definitely want to give them a big, big shout out and say thank you very much to our sponsors. And um, yeah, so this week, very, very brief report from Daily Mount. Philip O'Connor is our man in Stockholm. This is a cracker. And uh, yeah, it's ahead of our Conference League group game. It's our opener, Prof, with pronounce a Prof. Give me a pronunciation there. Your Gordon? Your Gordons. That's, <laughs> we've been calling it your Gardens. If you hear in the interview, I butcher it and then he pronounces it correctly. And then I'm like, okay, I better try this. So then I try. I'm not quite there. And he says it again. It's like a journey towards me pronouncing it correctly in the half hour. Let's see if you get Charleroi correct. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was uh, really, uh, really, really brilliant. I'm going to say it, best one. Best European correspondent so far. Um, new edition of Tifty's Hotline, Prof. 10 callers. And topics such as European mishaps. Hopefully we'll get the X-rated version. Um, hoop scene, volunteering, group points and bows. Manager predictions. So it's a jam-packed episode, as usual, from Tifties. And um, what's your pronunciation of this one, Prof? I'm going to go Viktor Serdenyuk. New signer from Ukraine. Very, very interesting. Yeah, he was looking at an article on him. And apparently he came over from uh, war-riddled Ukraine and he's been living in a hotel. Well, that that article was very useful because I, I, I was helping put the press release together. And, you know, all I have to go on is... Google and Soccerway and all that, you know. But that article actually gave me information I wouldn't have otherwise known that that he was training with Cobb Rabbers in Cork City when he came over. Um, obviously, he fled the war and all that. Um, one sentence was a bit worrying. Someone no. pointed out to me. He said, according to Natalia, that's his wife, Victor had offers to move to other cities and even, even countries, but we wanted our son to be born in Ukraine, in Odessa. We also have a cat and a dog, Chucky, with whom moving is not so easy. Why didn't she name the cat? Because cats don't matter. Name the cat. Cats don't matter, prof. And I bet you they brought the dog, didn't bring the cat. <laughs> no, she brought the cat. No, brought the dog, but didn't, didn't bring the cat. didn't see fit to name the cat. Yeah, here you over there. That's it, because cats mm. just strut around thinking they own the place, that's why. Yeah, but he's 26, uh, central midfielder, can also play a centre back. This is the most excited I've been. Since Cameron King. Yeah, I think it's up there. With, I don't know. Who else? Cameron King. Who else? Who else is in that bracket, prop? There was someone else I'm trying to think of. I love these signings. You know they're probably not going to work out. <laughs> but there's that little, like, 5% excitement. Like, imagine it did work. Yeah, it's it's a total bolt from the blue. Like, <laughs> yeah. we've never seen him before. We don't know how good he is. Um, apparently, he's Brad's type of player. So, that does fill me with hope. But... A certain Ryan Connolly was Brad's type of player oh as well. God. So let's let's but not dwell too mysterious much. Mysterious toe injury, remember that? Yeah, nearly lost one. So he played against the 19s anyway. I'm not sure how he got on. He was on the bench. I don't know if he played. But he, he did. He got a half an hour in. He got a half hour. So he's a few minutes in the in the bones anyway. And someone said, imagine he came on and scored the winner. 
uh, tomorrow refugees welcome so that would have been would have been a great a great way to introduce yourself to the hoops faithful against bowls but it wasn't to be prof it wasn't to be we feedback from last week Jerk Keaton he said Terry Everston an absolute gentleman and great goal poacher during our RDS years well done in a short manager stint with Alan O'Neill so um, yeah Ray Whelan says listening to the second pair of Terry Everston it explained a lot about the poor souls involved in the education system during the 80s and 90s in suburban North Dublin (laughs) (laughs) oh god Kulak the jungle (laughs) we had Joe's uh, Joe's love Terry as well you love the line about uh, Chris Giles, the son of John Giles, who paid for us in, in the 90s. He goes, uh, it must have been a windy day when the apple fell from the tree, was it? <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah. Oh. And just for balance, we actually did receive some very negative feedback on Winston as well. Someone who uh, is a big fan of ours Patsy. and listens every week said he... It was the first time he, ever, he nearly fast-forwarded an interview. That's how much he hated Ooh. it. So there you go. Have we got names? The voice opinion does Winston. Mm. But uh, to those who didn't like it, it was originally two hours and nine minutes. I cut it down to one hour of 14. So Do- you're, me- you're welcome. Doing his favours. You are welcome. Jim Conroy. Um, he has, with the stats ahead of our quarterfinal in Derry. Derry, uh, Rovers have faced 68 different teams in the FAI Cup. Only two teams remain undefeated against the Spartan Fingal. Spartan Fingal and two meetings and Derry City who've played oh prof I'm glad that, I'm glad you said that this is James and it's not it's yours his this is James stats. two draws and five defeats sorry for providing you with this depressing stat Alabama Rover so Taylor's the East and you have inspired me I'll be headed to Ghent with my brother and nephew I'll finally get a Euro trip ah oh, brilliant excellent excellent stuff that's how, great to hear how awesome is that he he said again on the on the forum he said his invitation to the Tiffany's hotline Caused him to book this trip. Oh, excellent. It won't be hard to miss because he'll have the cowboy hat, the boots on, and all. <laughs> the lasso. <laughs> For sake, the the tartan short. Not being. Oh, hold tr- on, he's not a cowboy. He was he was a trucker. So we have to get now. He's gonna have the trucker hat. That was the point. He's not a truck driver. Why, why did I think he was a cowboy? He's a cowboy now, right? Alabama Road. That was cowboy. our mistake, wasn't it? Called him a truck driver, but um. We've also been followed by at Canadian Rollers on Twitter. This is a new account. I think they're gunning for a little segment. That's what it is. They Could heard. be. Yeah. This is a Canadian lad who has developed a great passion for Shamrock Rollers, it says. And just obviously welcome to Twitter. We're giving you a shout out on the show. But can you please fix the crest in your Twitter profile? Oh, got the old one? That's the wrong crest, yeah. young man. Have you talked to him at all? Like, no. Oh, no. No, he hasn't posted that. Has he talked like this? <laughs> Yeah, so up next we have um, we have an Irish man in Sweden and it is Philip O'Connor. We're joined now by Philip O'Connor. He's an Irish journalist living in Sweden. You may be familiar with his podcast, Our Man in Stockholm. So check it out and subscribe if you like what you hear today. So uh, welcome to the show, Philip. Thanks very much indeed, Carl. An absolute pleasure to be here. Somewhat in enemy territory, it has to be said. Be a bit of a Bose man myself, but delighted. I was actually sort of, you know, on Twitter before the draw going, I'd love to see Shamrock Rovers getting drawn against you, Gordon. And then it happened. So there was nobody happier than me, you know. And of course, there's plenty of good people like yourself and Buzz O'Neill and Graham Merrigan who are probably avid listeners to this podcast and should be good people who support Rovers. So I'm delighted to be on here. Yeah, I was just about to say, Dublin Derby discussion is completely off the table after uh, Friday's results. So, all eyes on Stockholm in this interview for the next half hour. Please. Absolutely. Thank, thank you very yeah. much. No worries. 
so when did what's your story? When did you leave Ireland and what brought you out there to Stockholm? Yeah, my wife brought me out here to Stockholm. She wasn't my wife then. We met in 1994 in a bar in Dublin. And then, you know, she did the usual. She hung around for a little while and well, she went home and came back. And then she went to UCD for a few years. And then she said, um, let's try living in Sweden for a year or two. Right now, any sort of Dublin lad at that stage, a year or two. That's not a long time, Carl. I could probably do that. And she, you know, I'd probably just come back to Dublin and coddle and points of stout and everything else. That's not what happened. 23 years later, still here, Volvo in the garage, living in the house here, uh, speak the language, you know, go to all the various different Stockholm clubs, football matches. I, I'm probably never going to get out of here, you know, but I have to say it was the best thing that happened to me. She's a wonderful woman altogether and she puts up with me and, you know, she puts up with me swanning around the world, going to football matches and UFC fights and boxing matches that they work as a sports journalist takes me to you know so it's been brilliant for me altogether and it's also been brilliant to sort of to see as a football and culture that's similar to Ireland's and yet different, right? And it's, you know, early Irish football, as we all know, anybody who watches the League of Ireland will tell you, you know, how dysfunctional it can be on many different levels. The Swedes get a lot of things right. And I think that that's one of the things that we can we can look at now when you're going to play against Shamrock Rovers and the things that they do right in the Allsvenskan, in the European games, in terms of player development and that kind of thing, you know, and hopefully the two clubs have a chance to have a little bit of a chat about them. And indeed the fans, you know, through podcasts like this one can find out a little bit more about how things are run in this country. Well, just on that note, not to, not to sort of diverge too much into it, but Sweden uh, behaved very differently during COVID to everyone else. They're, they're, there was a complete lack of restrictions, I suppose, in uh, 2020. Um, what was your perspective on that? How the government uh, handled things? Yeah, it was very weird because, you know, you like I'd be obviously consuming both Irish media and Swedish media and international media, you know. And then when you're hearing from people like yourself or from back in Dublin and seeing what the situation was there and here there was no lockdown, you know, here there was like, you know, try not to travel more than two hours from your home. Like, you know, where you were being told, Carl, you can go and walk around your garden. But if I see you, you're in trouble, you know, that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> And like it was really different and things didn't close. Bars had to close at eight o'clock. Uh, there was a limit. You weren't allowed to stand at the bar anymore. You had to sit down, you know, this kind of thing. But the pubs never shut. They kept on serving and that, you know. So it was really, really odd. And I've said it a couple of times that, you know, we probably won't know for another five or ten years when all this has worked out what the health effects were, what the economic effects were and that kind of thing. But it was certainly very, very different. Um. It, I was a little bit uneasy with the whole thing, you know, because you kind of looked at how the rest of the world was going and you're living in the one outlier and you're going, ah, fuck, I'm not really sure this is the way to be going, you know, but <laughs> I mean, we're not completely out of the pandemic. I'm very sort of, you know, wary of the fact that there are people with with various different underlying health conditions who be listening to this going, I still can't go out. So to them, there's still very much a pandemic. The rest of us are back sort of going to football and that kind of thing for better or worse, you know, so it certainly was a different way of doing it. But it's it said a lot about how Sweden is organized. You know, it's one of those things that once, especially in times of national crisis, if the government decides to do something, everybody rose in behind them. There was very little dissent. Everybody went, OK, this is the right way to go. And indeed, they were sort of very vociferous in their defense of anybody questioning things, you know, that this may be the wrong way that they were doing things was fairly quickly shouted down. So we'll jump into uh, your garden. They were last champions in 2019, uh, third place last year. So we're 20 games into the Swedish season at the moment. They're second four points off Hacken. 
Are the fans confident of, of silverware this season? Um, I wouldn't say they're confident. Hecken are a weird side, right? I don't think they've ever won the Alves fans club. They're based down in Gothenburg, so obviously you, Gordon, are a Stockholm team. Um, Hecken have never won the title, but they've, you know, for, you know, probably 20 years now they're the one place that nobody wants to go to play right they're an ex- they've always been an extremely technical football team and they have a new coach in there now Norwegian guy Per, per Matthias Hergmo and Per Matthias used to actually coach you Gordon and he's a great man for sort of adopting the, the culture of the football club and then putting his own stamp on it he, get, he gets them really well organised that kind of thing so Hecken to me at the moment are still favourites but that said they drew today and you Gordon won 1-0 against Sirius right so that means that that gap is now closed there's only one point between the two sides at the top there after the games today so they're certainly you know they're in the race in a way that AIK and probably Hammarby aren't really anymore you know I think it's between those two clubs now because we're getting no more than in Ireland we're getting towards the, po- the point of the season where things are starting to get decided and you Gordon are looking really really good they're looking really really solid Um, so I think that their, their fans are going to be quite confident and I think we shouldn't underestimate this European run right so in terms of European football, Sweden is very well known for IFK Gothenburg, uh, you know, Manchester United, the UEFA Cup, all this kind of thing back in the 90s when Sweden was one of the last of the semi-professional superpowers, you know. So a lot of the lads there would have had, you know, a sort of a daytime job in inverted commas and they'd work, you know, three, four hours a day somewhere and then they go play for EFK Gothenburg at that point then, you know. Um, that's all gone now. So like all of you go to the players would be fully professional. Some of them would be on quite good money now, you know. I mean, certainly be up there with sort of uh, maybe not the championship but certainly League 1 League 2 in England will be up with that kind of money and it's a really good sort of um, it's a really good place for players to develop so you know they have the choice of staying here and still earning a really good living and if you go back to 2019 actually there was an Irish connection to that team because Kevin Walker played in the midfield there his father Pat is from County Carlow Pat actually played for Bohemians in the League of Ireland then went over and played for Gillingham in England, met a Swedish woman, then moved and played in the Alsvenskan pretty much for the rest of his career. Played a few under-21 games for Ireland. But his sons, Kevin and Kevin's older brother, Robert, both played in the Alsvenskan. Uh, Kevin started out at Örebro, wound up at AIK, then um, moved up to Sundsvall, about four hours north of Stockholm. When he came back to Stockholm then, he played for Hugh Gordon. So that was like the forbidden transfer, you know, because, you know, he talked about how much he loved AIK and then he signed for their big city rivals. But he did really well there, now back at Örebro. So Hugh Gordon had a really, really successful time at the start of this century. So they had uh, the famous football manager, Kim Kallstrom, people calling him England, but his name is pronounced Kim Shellstrom. Andreas Isakson, who was a Manchester City goalkeeper, played for Juventus, played for Galatasaray as well. Stefan Rehn, former Everton midfielder, absolute wand of a left foot, majestic player. And then you had a couple of players like Kretten Elden, who played in Cyprus as well, Dutch striker, came in, scored loads of goals and then just fucked off again. You know, there were some really, really great players then. But they never really had, you know, that sort of European success that AIK or Gothenburg have had so now they're making or indeed Malmo in recent years but they're making the group stage now and taking on Shamrock Rovers okay you know, they'd probably like to have been in a bigger competition, maybe, and this is absolutely no offence to Rovers fans, but playing against bigger, cl- bigger clubs, but I think they'll take what they get and I think they really want to make a mark on this uh, Conference League competition. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Pat Walker, I've actually interviewed him in for this week's programme so I was fascinated by his story how he ended up in Sweden with them your garden, um, they've got a big clash away to Hammerby on Sunday. Hammerby just below them, uh, Robbers friends. Could they have one eye on that, or is it similar to Robbers? Did we all just have to get used to this Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday schedule for the next couple of months? 
Yeah, this this is the modern world, Cal, because like you know, this is what clubs like this aspire to, right? The top clubs in in Ireland, the top clubs in Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Boda up in Norway were trying to make the Champions League. There came close, got beaten by um, was it? Oh God, I'm one of the Croatian teams, Dinamo Zagreb, I think it was. You know, so but this is the thing they built their squad to deal with this kind of thing, right? So today they had an important league game away to Sirius. Sirius are not a great team; they're from Uppsala, about seventy kilometers north of Stockholm, so it's an easy away trip for a lot of fans. We couldn't like nipping up the road to Drogheda or Dundalk for ourselves. Um, so they had a game there. They won that 1-0 without having to do too much for it, right? They didn't have to work too hard. But what was interesting was one of the players, and I'm sure we get into players to watch now, their best striker is a guy called Victor Edvardsson. Victor's like classic number nine, right? The kind of thing that any Irish club would sort of give, you know, their right arm to have big, strong technically good, good in the ball, well able to receive it, well able to play was back to goal. But today he was booked for descent. So he's suspended for next week's derby against Hamburg. And that, I think, is a bad thing for Rovers because he'd be going out there going, well, fuck it. I can't play on Sunday anyway. So I'm just going to have to go uh, to Shamrock Rovers and I'm just going to do my best in that game. So, you know, <laughs> what happened today against Sirius may well have repercussions for Shamrock Rovers in that way. But to answer your question, um, there's a guy called Bosse Anderson as the, the sporting director at Hugh Gordon. And he is like... He's part sort of Arsene Wenger, part Arthur Daly from Only Fool, or Arthur Daly from Minder, you know, a real, pardon me, a real wheeler dealer type. But he's really good at finding players, whether they be in the lower leagues in Sweden, whether they be like lower down the Alsvenskan, as it was with Edvardsson, who he's brought to the city this year. Uh, he picks up players from Africa, he picks up players from, from everywhere. And tends to put together really good tight squads of 16, 17 players that you can swap in for or out four or five different players. And it really doesn't weaken them at all, you know. So, and hopefully, I'm not you now, you'll be the man to tell uh, me on this front, you know. Rover seems to be a similar sort of a setup, right? They have, you know, more good players than they need, is how I'll put it, you know. So, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of chess they play, but their hand has already been forced by the fact that Edwardson is going to be suspended on, on Sunday. So they may as well just throw him in there on Thursday and get the 90-plus minutes out of him and see what he can do against Rovers. So I see your garden have two head coaches. I remember seeing that for Sweden in the World Cup years back. Yep. Is that more common in Sweden than other countries? or and How do they operate when it comes to decision-making with, with joint managers? Yeah, it's an interesting one at you, Gordon, as well. I mean, Kim and uh, Tolle, the, the two guys that are, are there at the moment now, you know, they, they, they have a sort of a certain understanding. For some reason, the Swedes, it's this is a consensus society, right? So everybody likes to agree on everything uh, in order for everything to work, right? So if you're an Irish company selling something into Sweden for the first time, as many Irish companies are doing, they're doing great here at the moment, you know? But it's very interesting because... If you have six people sitting around the table and you're the one Irish bloke and you make your pitch and everybody goes, yeah, that's great. And the other five people go, yeah, that's, that's great. But there's one person has reservations. You're not done, right? This whole four to one, this sort of democracy, that's not going to work, right? You have to convince the fifth person or it's just not going to happen. So they're really good at doing this consensus thing, teasing things out. And that's why they tend to get good results out of things because they really go through, you know, if you have enough people involved in the decision-making process, well, you're going to hear all the pros and all the cons. And that with Kim and Tom Pulling out you Gordon seems to be the way that it works there. Now, it sounds very progressive, but they can also be very traditional. They're two boys who are not afraid to send them off for a 10-kilometer run in the forest kind of thing, you know? Uh, they're not afraid to take, you know, all sorts of old-fashioned leadership things. They're not afraid to let a roar to fellow. But between the two of them now, they're a really, really good, really good partnership. It doesn't happen as much as you might expect. It was, oh, there was... 
uh, Lasse Lagerbeck was one of the coaches and uh, Tom May was the other one that they had in the World Cup a few years ago, you know, and they worked really well together at the Norwegian soccer team. The women's soccer team was ma- managed by two Swedes until recently as well, you know. So it is something that happens maybe more than in other countries that, you know, you have, everybody has an assistant, but here, you, you know, you see just as much of one as the other, which is a, an interesting setup right enough. You mentioned um, a dangerous player for them a moment ago. So in terms of their their formation and style of play and other ones to watch, what would you say about them? Well, I'd say Victor Edwardson is definitely, for me, he's, you know, one of the major sort of game changers. He's just the kind of guy who can score a goal out of nowhere. Immensely physically powerful. You know, poor El Pico Lopez is going to have his hands full. So that's uh, that's going to be an interesting clash to watch there between those two. Um, he's the kind of guy that you can get under his skin, right? So today he got booked for descent. You know, and you, you get booked for descent and then you miss a derby. So, you know, not the fucking cleverest lad in the class now, if it has to be said, you know, but extremely powerful, extremely technically competent, uh, makes good decisions. He played the assist for the goal today. The goal they got against Sirius was amazing. You got in a really, really good counter-attacking team, right? But Sirius, I don't know what their backline was doing because he was able to just slide the ball in for uh, Gustav came to score the winner today. It's just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I'll actually see if I can send you uh, the, the video of it on Twitter because it's, I don't know what their backline were doing but he's a really really good intelligent player uh, another player who's really experienced and who has Euro- European experience from his time with Malmö FF is Magnus Eriksson now they play a sort of a 4-3-3 with Magnus sort of on the left of the midfield three there and Magnus played for Malmö where they're playing the Champions League he's been to China he's played for San Jose Earthquake in Major League Soccer so he's got a lot of experience was called into the national team there recently and sort of thrown straight, pretty much straight into the team one of the games as a sub really good player there Rasmus Schuller is a central midfielder as a Finnish international so he would have been part of the team that played at the Euros there when um, Finland played Denmark in uh, in the Euros that time and made their first appearance at major European championships. And then the other two I'd pick out, or maybe let's say take three, right? The first is the mid uh, the centre-back pairing of Yalma Ekdal, whose brother um, plays in central midfield for the Sweden, but Yalma, really good centre-back, really a threat from set pieces. And the other one is Marcus Donaldson. Now, Marcus was one of these late bloomers, right? So he came into the team, or he sort of, you know, came through with you, Gordon, doesn't really look like a footballer. And I mean that in the best possible way. Like, you know, but he kind of looks like, you know, when you're playing a match, you know, a Sunday league match and somebody's made turns up and you go, fuck, we better give him a jersey because we've only 10 players. And, you know, for some reason, things go right for him, but he doesn't look like a footballer when he's playing the game, right? And at the Euros last year, he was one of the first choice centre-backs at the Euros when they were eventually played post-COVID. And he just, his mistakes got punished and he got caught out a little bit too much. And it was quite a disappointing performance by the, by the Swedish national team when he was in it. And I've seen him do the same thing. I can't remember who you going to were playing a week ago, but he did the same thing there. He just, you know, a simple ball into the midfield and he just gave the thing away. And all of a sudden, he, now he made a brilliant tackle to recover the situation, but you'd really rather he doesn't do that. You know, if he's given that ball to a Jack Bourne, for instance, then he's never going to get that ball back. But here he rescued the situation. So, Really good player. Like, you know, he scored on his debut for the Swedish national team. So a really good player that doesn't look like a good player, but capable of just fucking brain freeze and losing it completely. So if I were a Rovers fan, he weighs he wears number 33. Spent a long time in China there. Only recently re-signed for you, Gordon, there. Now, made plenty of money in that country. But if every time I saw him bringing the ball out of defence, I'd be rubbing my hands if I was a Shamrock Rovers fan. And the last one, but not least, is a guy called Harris Radatinach. Where's the number nine for you, Gordon? 
I've never seen a player have worse luck with injury, right? But really, really good, really creative, direct runner, another guy to make good decisions. And he's the kind of guy who'll tee up Victor Edwardson. He'll tee up Magnus Eriksson as he pours in for the middle, that kind of thing. He's not to be underestimated either. You talk about somebody not looking like a footballer, just immediately makes me think of Brian Kerr. Because <laughs> Brian Shakiri is the barreler. That's like, <laughs> exactly. That's a, like another classic Dublin, Dublin expression. I'd love to hear. Actually, I'm trying, trying to remember if I ever saw a match with Brian when he was watching dinosaur. But that'd be the thing he says, you know. Like, I mean, he just looks like you know, he looks like his brain is moving a fraction faster than his feet, and his feet just can't keep up, you know. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because he does have, and this is the almost the biggest fault a player like that can have is having enormous belief in themselves. And nine times out of ten, he'll rescue the situation, and the other the ten times, always a goal. It's it's always a goal with that fella, you know. But a lovely fella, and he's now said that he's not going to play for the national team anymore because he doesn't have the energy for it. But like, lovely fella, really talented player, really good in the air. But I think he's the kind of player that you know uh, that you can challenge if we put it that way, you know. So looking at their route here, this is their first ever uh, group stage, if, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And they've beaten teams from Croatia, Romania, and Cyprus on the way here, including that comeback win in Stockholm in the second egg against Applewell. So have they looked good in these ties? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, Carl, because like when you go into this level, like, you know, because a team like that doesn't have a huge amount of European experience, with the exception of Magnus Eriksson who's played in the Champions League for Malmo, those games are really, really difficult, right? And I saw the same thing when Bodo were playing against, I was up there in, inside the Arctic Circle watching that game. So the European teams play differently, especially teams from the Balkans, Cyprus, Greece, that kind of thing. And it, it, like, it, it actually sounds weird in modern football, but it is, it takes some getting used to, you know? You really have to sort of find out, okay, how do I do this? You know, how do I pace myself? What do they do that's different to what you see in the domestic league, right? So in the domestic league here, they're tremendously physically, they're in top form altogether, right? Like Zach Elbazadi, who played for Waterford United, will tell you, he's playing now for AIK. And, you know, they eat right, they rest right, you know, they, they just do everything right. They're in the gym. The, the People here are naturally that way inclined anyway. They're outdoors people, they're physical people, you know. So you wouldn't run into a barreler like a Shakiri who kind of doesn't look like a footballer, you know. You wouldn't run into, you know, I mean... And I'd hate to point the finger at any player in the League of Ireland, but we all know that there are players there who don't really, who look like electricians, you know, and that's the nicest way I can put it, despite the fact that they try and maybe play full time. You don't really get that in Sweden. So when, when, when you go and came up against these teams, and there are tools there to watch those teams from Romania and from Cyprus and from all these other places, right? But you don't really have the time when you're playing Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday to sort of go into that at a granular level, like to go really sort of deep down and do that. So you put out your 4 3 3. And then you have to sort of adapt on the fly. And because you don't have that experience, it's very difficult for players to do that, right? So across town, if we take the three Stockholm clubs, we just zoom out a little bit, right? Hammarby would be very much a working class club. That's where, you know, the furniture movers, the electricians, the plumbers from the south side of town, that would be their club, right? AIK would be similar, but for the north side, a little bit more middle class. You go to from Ustabaum, one of the poshest parts, like the Grafton Street of Stockholm. So they would be a fairly posh club. So, you know, so, and you know, they would have that sort of, you know, notions about themselves. They played for many years at the Olympic Stadium and uh, that was built for the Olympics in 2012, right? But AIK 
Kay is managed by a friend of mine, and he actually we ran a football club together while he was still playing pro. He played in Serie A, and he played for a couple of uh, big Spanish teams. Scored, I think, ten or twelve goals in one season there. And he's now taken over at AIK, and he was saying the big challenge for him when he did. I think he only did one European game, and he was saying it was making these changes on the fly because you don't know the players that you're facing, right? So that was the problem that you Gordon faced. So I would have said that they looked a little bit more ragged in European competition than what they did when they came up against teams in the Alsvenskan. And the same thing will probably happen when they go take on Shamrock Rovers, right? Because they're not going to sit down. They'll probably look at the Dublin Derby, you know, not that I was supposed to mention that, and I do apologize, but it was the most recent game. So that is, you know, the kind of thing that they look at maybe the last one or two games. They might look at one of the games that Rovers played in Europe, you know, but they simply won't have the time to sit down now. Like, you know, they're training tomorrow. They're training uh, Tuesday. Then they have Wednesday maybe to walk through a little bit of tactical training. And then the game is on Thursday, right? They played today. So probably tonight they're going to look at maybe one or two, as we're speaking on Sunday here, they'll probably look at one or two of those rovers. They don't have the time to do any more than that. And that means then that you're relying on the players to solve the problem of Shamrock Rovers themselves when they get to to Dublin, to, when they get to Tallah Stadium, you know? And to do that, you need very, very intelligent players. And they've done it well so far. Like you mentioned, the come from behind win there to, to beat Applewell and that kind of thing. They've done it reasonably well so far. But it's a big bonus, I would say now, for Rovers to have them in the first game when they don't know Rovers that well. I think Rovers playing at home will have that little bit more time. They'll have an extra couple of days of recovery because they played against Bowes on Friday night. You go and played today on the Sunday. So two days extra to, to look at that. So I think that's a big, big benefit that you go to won't know Shamrock Rovers as well as Shamrock Rovers could possibly know you go to. Um, what are the fans and also the media, what, what have you read that they're saying, A, about if they can get out of this group and B, what are they saying about Rovers as an opponent? The biggest problem I have in the beginning is telling them not to call the club Shamrock, right? They have this tendency as if it was Blackburn Rovers to just use Shamrock. And it drives me up to, because you would never call your club Shamrock. You call you them Rovers. You always get that though. Every European club you face, they call exactly. it Shamrock. So the first thing I did was you Gordon's uh, team name is you Gordon's EF, you Gordon's Edots for which means you Gordon's sports club. The S is genitive, which means that without the EF, the IF on the end of it, they're just called you Gordon, which is the part of the city that the club stems from, right? So that's the reverse of that. And then I've forever been telling journalists, right? It's Shamrock Rovers or Rovers or the Hoops. And that's it. Nothing else is acceptable, right? You just don't go doing anything else. And even a fellow contacted me yesterday and he says, oh, you know, could I get some information on Shamrock? Yeah, don't fucking call them that would be my first tip, you know? <laughs> so that's the end of him doing that, you know? But they would sort of see themselves. And this is fascinating, Carl, right? Because there was a time back, you know, maybe not necessarily when Rovers met you, Gordon, uh, maybe it's 2002, right? Uh, Cork City sent Pats Athletic, you know, and Swedish teams were looking down their nose at League of Ireland teams, and many of them got their nose bloodied by the likes of Pats. They came over to Ellsport when Richie Sadler was uh, was the CEO there, and I think Pats got the result against them and went on to play Hertha Berlin and that kind of thing. So they do look down their nose at the League of Ireland, they look at the ranking, they look at the European results, but they're also looking at the fact that Rovers have been in a group stage before and taken on some big teams, and there's a certain amount of respect for that, but there's also this 
thing of we should be bigger than them, right? An awful lot of Swedes, again, if we zoom out even further, they can't, they couldn't tell you the difference between Sweden and the United Kingdom, right? I've had people refer to Robbie Keane as a Brit, you know, and had to fucking give him the third degree on that and go, okay, was my country invaded overnight by our neighbours? Was there something I didn't say? <laughs> then he's not a Brit, lads. Okay, just give that up, you know? So there's a, there's a I'd say there's a big there's a, a lack of knowledge there about Shamrock Rovers, a lack of knowledge about uh, the League of Ireland there, which leads to them to think that, oh, you know, well, we could probably beat these lads. You know, I'd say they pr- would probably see Rovers as being the whipping boys of the group, you know. And that really, it's not down to part of it is arrogance, but it's also down to just a lack of knowledge, you know. And I find that the best way to sort of fill in that knowledge gap, if you want to do so, is to beat them by two or three goals when they get to Tala. And what about getting out of the group? Do they fancy their chances of finishing top two? I think they absolutely do. I think it would be a huge disappointment to them because you have to understand that the resources that you got to have available, even though Shamrock Rovers is probably the richest club in Ireland right now with the resources, with the ability to pay wages and to pay transfer fees that virtually no other Irish club can match, right? It's still dwarfed in comparison to what a club like you Gordon can play, right? So Magnus Eriksson, when he's coming back from China, um, Marcus Danielson, the centre-back that we mentioned there, Edwardson, Edwardson could have had his pick of clubs in the Allsvenskan. He could have gone to absolutely anybody, but they're getting so well paid by you Gordon that, you know, they would have expectations that those players are going to get them, you know, European football post-Christmas. They would absolutely have that expectation. Now, how well-founded that expectation is remains to be seen. We haven't seen a League of Ireland team play against the Swedish team in so long now that it's very difficult to gauge where the two leagues are. Personally, I believe that they're going to get a shock because I honestly believe that in the last three, four, five years, I've seen a huge development in terms of the technical standard of play in the League of Ireland, the ability, the tactical flexibility that you're starting to see now that you know maybe wasn't didn't exist beforehand, the fitness of the players, right? I hate to see in European competition, you know, where a team like Rovers may come out and for 70 minutes they're competitive, and then the other team just proves to be fitter and then they lose each leg one or two nil, right? I think that time has passed. I think the Rovers team is that well conditioned now that they're going to be able to play against you going for 90 minutes the question is if they're going to be able to maintain their quality over 90 minutes or over you know 180 minutes over two games against you Gordon to give them that bloody nose and maybe finish higher than them in the group so you Gordon would definitely have that expectation because they'd have a, a budget that maybe it could be five times it could be ten times the the, the budget that the Shamrock Rovers had and again a lot of that comes from sponsorship but it's also the fact that the league here is on cable TV it's on pay TV right so you can't by, you know, a, a league pass or whatever it's called, a, a League of Ireland pass is called this season. You can't just do that. You have to pay like, you know, upwards of 50 quid a month if you want to see it on the Discovery Channel. It's worth millions of euros every year, you know. Rovers, on, in terms of the balance sheets, they can't compete there. But I think they'll be able to compete far better on the pitch than on the balance sheet, certainly compared to what you, Gordon, are going to expect from them. Uh, normally at this stage of the interview I'd ask our guests what the city is like that we're visiting but uh, Rovers fans are actually quite familiar with Stockholm some have done it twice now uh, 2002 and 2018 nonetheless have you any tips for the hundreds of uh, travelling fans going over on a presumably very cold week in November yeah one thing is wrap up well right the the difference between and Jesus I was in Tala Stadium last November when the Swedish women were playing against the Irish women Carl I've never been as cold in my life what is the (laughs) matter with that place Jesus at the foot of the mountains there so and I came over like I thought yeah yeah, well I won't need all the Swedish stuff that I need for the winter here and I could have really done with it you know one thing is it's a dry cold in this country which it it tends to be a bit of a damper cold in Ireland especially out around Tala so if you wear layers here you'll be grand right so if you have a decent jacket and a hoodie and like a t-shirt or maybe a long sleeve t 
t-shirt on over that you know you'll probably be pretty all right the telly 2 arena which is where the game is going to be played is quite a nice arena it's relatively newly built i i'm still looking for the soul in the place i don't think it exists uh, it's a plastic pitch so it's an artificial pitch an all right playing surface but you know i'm not sure how many pitches of that sort of standard you'd have in the league of ireland there's loads of place around if you're careful, and maybe you and me will talk afterwards, there's talk of trying to arrange something for the night before the game for Rovers fans to go to, where we'll arrange a bit of cheap beer and maybe a bite to eat, and you know, see if I can get some of the players, the you going players maybe, who played back in 2002, to come in and sit down and talk a little bit. We might do a live, I do a podcast for the Irish in Sweden, which is remarkably creatively called Irish in Sweden as well. So we might do a live podcast there if the Rovers fans were, would like to come along to that, you know. But there's still plenty of places, like, you know, Sweden has actually been bypassed by Ireland now when it comes to sort of expensive beer and expensive nights out but there are still places here where you'll get a cheap beer there's a place called Crazy Horse and the beer is like you know a half litre of beer is only four euro you know so with a little bit of research you'll find good places to go cheap places to eat and cheap places to drink obviously most people will be flying in here the cheapest way to get into the city centre they have what are called fleet bus the, the air cor- the sort of air coach variant there it costs about 10 or 12 quid you might get a return for like 25 quid and you'll be into the city centre in about 50 minutes or so you know so most of them go reasonably directly into town you know it's a really really safe city right now that said I think before we start to talk we are talking a little bit off air there about there is a slight problem with hooliganism here in Sweden right and like I mentioned earlier on Swedish people have a, an awful hard time telling the difference between the Irish and the English, right? I will be going out in the media here and with the Ugoran fans and tell them, look, uh, Shamrock Rovers fans are not like that. Shamrock Rovers fans have some of the best ultras, some of the best TIFO groups in, in the League of Ireland and indeed in Europe. Some of the stuff that you guys do is absolutely fucking brilliant, right? But that's entirely separate from the organised violence that uh, some of the Stockholm clubs, all three Stockholm clubs are involved in it. Helsingborg, Malmö have a, a firm as well. Gothenburg have the Wise Men firm, this kind of thing. That's not our team in Irish football so I'll be doing my best to tell people that look you know this is not what's going to be happening so don't bother going to Irish bars looking for trouble you're just not going to get it you know Um, but that said it is one of the most one of the safest cities in the world it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world it's going to get dark early at that time so if you're going to be outside seeing or whatever you know don't bother you know sort of you know waiting for the hangover to pass get out in the fresh cool air as quickly as you can and see as much of the city as possible if you're bringing a partner that kind of thing there's a couple of great museums there's an ABBA museum here which is actually out on the island of you Gordon where the club uh, get from where the club gets its name there's the Vasa Museum but like yeah there's loads of great spots to go around the old town here which is one of the places where we might have that event that Shamrock Rovers fans be welcome to we'll organise cheap beer there but that'll only be in that particular restaurant for the most part they tend to be quite expensive there it's a little bit of a tourist trap maybe like uh, Grafton Street and that and the island of Southern of course which would be very familiar to Rovers fans who've been over there to visit uh, their brothers and sisters from who are Hammerby supporters you can usually find that's a bit like Rathmines it's a bit more sort of bohemian it's a bit more not the football club now but the vibe you know uh, it's a bit cheaper beer to be found there that kind of thing easy city to get round uh, you can walk around it reasonably easy you can get a 72 hour bus or train ticket that will allow you to go on some of the ferries as well that costs a few about 20-30 quid but it's well worth it and that'll get you out to the ground as well then so you can see the game you know and then last but not least as I say the stadium is the Telly 2 Arena that's out around the Globin area Globin is the huge golf ball U2 played there many years ago it's a great place to watch hockey or to watch concerts and then the Telly, Telly 2 is right beside it so you can get out there there's a couple of sort of um, underground stations quite close by so there's no need to be getting taxis 
try to stay away from taxis if you can, right? Because the taxi market is deregulated here. So there are some very big and very reputable companies like Taxi.com, but then there are what they call free yorker, which is free taxis that aren't linked to any of the major sort of radio firms. And they can charge whatever they want, right? And there's horror stories about fellas, you know, taking very short trips and the meter goes, like it just goes tick, 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 tick. And you go, you know, I've only gone 50 yards. It's had to cost me 20 quid kind of thing. You, you know? just so, reminded me of my last trip to, to Stockholm, yeah. There you go. You got a taxi yeah. from the airport. Yeah. And Gary, Gary, my co-host in the podcast, he just kept turning to the taxi driver and saying, are you a gangster? We were just watching the fair rocket up. Yeah, yeah. I kept it, asking him, are you, are you a gangster? It's like, no, 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 I'm not a gangster. I'm not a gangster. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, if you go back to when Ireland played Sweden in a qualifier, when was that? Was it one of the Euro qualifiers or something like that? Many years ago now, anyway. I know the game was at uh, nine o'clock at the Friends Arena, and some some lads had gotten into a taxi, and basically the driver had sort of driven them into the middle of nowhere and said, "Okay, I'm not driving you the rest of the way until you give me all the money now." And you know, a trip that should have cost at the time about fifty euro ended up costing like three hundred. And the problem is here that you can call the cops, and the cops can't do anything. They're actually entitled to do that, right? So if you want anything, like you know, like what you'll see, Swedish people here will get into the taxi and say, "Look, I'm going here, and I'll give you X, right?" So the gangster that yourself and Gary got in with that time, he has the choice to either accept X or just get out of the car, right? So to me, I would definitely avoid taxis. And public transport here runs really, really late as well, you know. So you're you're pretty good to go on that. So if unless you know exactly what you're getting in with because like you'll have taxi stockholm cars and when you see them you'll recognize them but when you have a few jars then you'll have some fellow put a sign on the side of his car that says taxi in stockholm and that'll be one of these fellas with the fucking meter that goes on on, on amphetamines do you know what i mean and that's one of those things and i hate it about this city and it doesn't matter who you turn to the city just goes well you know that's the law and that kind of thing so certainly i advise people to be careful with that as i say the hooligan problem i really hope that you know i'm going to speak to those boys and tell them to back the fuck off that week because you know it shouldn't be a problem here this is one of the safest cities you hear Sweden this Sweden that Sweden is one of the safest places you can go to and I really hope that that turns out to be the case for, for the fans I'd love to see a situation where uh, the Rovers fans and, and the Ugordan fans have you know great experience and Ugordan fans still talk about when they played against us in Talca Park in 2002 that was the greatest away trip these people have ever fucking been on like it's the stuff a legend and they're all talking to me about it this week and I really hope that that you you and your, your supporters can have that positive experience when you come here to Stockholm and I'll do everything in my power to make sure that that happens sounds good and finally a uh, prediction for Thursday oof um I'd almost rather to give a prediction for the November game than give a prediction for this one. Because, like I say, it's so long since a a League of Ireland team played in a European game against an Al-Svenskan team that's hard to know where the two of them have one another. I think, personally, that... Rovers are going to be very well prepared. I think they're going to be better rested. And as long as Rovers get their tactics right, and as long as Pico is able to, to get a grip on Edwardson and never let him go. No, Pico, unfortunately, he's, is he he's had a serious injury. Yeah, he oh, won't be back for another few weeks. Jesus, I was wondering. I was watching the game the other night. I only saw the last uh, few minutes of the game the other night. I was wondering why he wasn't in the team. It was mad altogether. So I missed that. But yeah, so whoever's playing at centre back then, just as long as they get up into Edwardson, I preferably wind him up just a little bit as well, you know, so that he starts, you know, throwing He's, he's a great man for throwing out the elbow, you know, so it would be good if they can get him wound up a little bit, you know, to, to get that going on as well. But I honestly think that this represents 
one of the best chances that Rovers have in the group of getting a home win is now on Thursday, right? They could fly out the traps for a victory here. And I do think that there's a certain amount of hubris with teams like you Gordon going over there. They think, right, will we go over there? They'll be typically, in inverted commas, British. They'll just play long balls and that kind of thing. And they'll get, you know, they'll get their comeuppance because they'll end up facing something entirely different from what they expected. So, Despite the fact that my Bohemian's heart is pounding in my chest here, Carl, I'm going to go with a 1-0 victory to Shamrock Rovers that probably should have been more. <laughs> a victory prediction from a Bowls fan. I, uh, we have five years in this podcast. I think we've seen it all now. I tell you, you need to lift that out now and just put that in all your socials as well because I'll probably never say it again either. <laughs> <laughs> now, Philip, a.k.a. your man, uh, our man in Stockholm, uh, fantastic insight. Thanks a million. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so resident on the What's the Story podcast with Merrill and a good hoop Merrill and uh, Philip O'Connor, fantastic stuff. Prof, I think my favourite one, yeah, I think so. A extremely in depth and knowledgeable man, and uh, giving us the sauce on the points, giving us the sauce on George or you Gordons, and um, brilliant, <laughs> excellent stuff. He was well into it. Yeah, I'd heard. She's sticking up for us. Yeah, I'd heard him before on um, on Mera's podcast. He was on recently in June. I don't think I heard that one, but I definitely heard him at some stage. And I remember liking him. And when I researched it, I was like, "Oh, that name sounds familiar." Philip mm-hmm. O'Connor, your man in Sweden. And um, second, you said it to me, I was like, "Profi's balls." <laughs> yeah, but he's alright. But typical balls fan calling a stadium solace. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Has he even been in it? But uh, absolutely, yeah, I agree with you. That that's their best overseas, <laughs> our best European opponent, expert so far. He's a dream guest, right? Like he talks fast with loads of good good information, yet doesn't go on forever. It's like the perfect combo. I think he's so experienced that he asked me in advance how long would this interview be, and I told him half an hour. I think he's so experienced; he's able to put himself on a setting. He just like he turns a knob, and it's like right. A 1.5 speed today. Well, and he gets in everything he needs to, to I'm on say. a half hour period today, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting, the, the COVID thing, yeah. No no lockdowns in Sweden. Um, Interesting from an Irish perspective over there. We're not going into this. No, absolutely not. We are not. No, no. We nearly, nearly spoiled our control off here, so we're not yeah. getting into it. Um, He mentioned that podcast he's doing. Just uh, Prof's tinfoil hat is just sitting in the corner there. <laughs> Irish in Sweden. He's, he also... He's... he's Seems to be doing a million things at once. He also mentioned off air that he's been he's been working on this project. He wants to interview every Swedish footballer who's ever played in the Premier League. Wow. And of course, what names started coming to my head straight yes, away? Blomfist. Blomfist, Thomas Brolin, Henrik Larsson, John Dal Thomason. That's uh, that's the good one. Yeah, he, I was trying to think of him. Uh, um, God, who else? What's the fat fella that played for Liverpool? <laughs> John Mulvey. Yes, he's Swedish. Yeah. Um, who else? Oh God, Anders Limper. Anders Limper, yeah, Arsenal. Oh, there's a few. That'd be cool. I, I, I wasn't sure if he said it was writing it or I presume it's the Sebastian podcast Arsenal. he's doing. But um, that would be I'd be interested in that now. Uh, um, that but, goes on. We'll we'll just tell people about how how much my idea fell flat on its arse for our Norway edition. Oh, uh, Mister. Mr. Oddie Gunner I thought it'd be a great idea <laughs> and I was shooting for the stars and I thought to myself I'll get him on well listen you weren't the only one I tried to get him on the programme as well no but chance. he's it's, it's, it's a tough ask I think he's hovelled away in some Norwegian fucking dome the way I look at it is right 
people currently involved in the Premier League or top level football, I see them as being so distant and unreachable, I wouldn't even consider it. But a manager who has left Man United one or two years or whatever it is. Also, Kim Kallstrom, I reached out to him through Philip actually. Right. He retired uh, in 2017. Like, he's out of the game five years. I yeah. don't consider that unrealistic. It's it's not, and I think because I think the only reason I thought Solskjaer was actually realistic was because he seems like such an approachable fella. Seems mm. like a nice bloke. That's the persona that I get from him in the media. So mm. I was thinking, right, throw out a few little 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 fishies there, a little few, a little bit of bait, and see what happens. But I don't, mm. I don't think it's gonna happen. But he was um, like he, he managed them to league titles. Like it's it's mm. a legitimate target. Like it's one hundred percent, and maybe he does follow them still. And yeah. keeps, keeps annoying them, you know? I thought the programme would have a better shot because you do see in programmes like, especially big occasions like this, group stage matches, you might see, there was one in the Milan programme, I, I think it was actually conducted by an Italian journalist. He interviewed uh, a Milan legend in that programme. So I was, I was sort of inspired by that, you know? Maybe you could interview a legend of the club we're playing. But it's not dead in the water yet, Prof. We'll truck no. on. We'll truck it's, on. You it's, never know. It's a month away. Um, so if anyone knows Ole Gunnar Solskjaer out there, let's know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so get away, Prof. Uh, are we saying it right? Is it Gent or is it Ghent? I'm just saying Ghent. <laughs> the uh, allocation of 1,000. And it says 650 here, but Prof, we're up to 800. Well, 650 sold in the first two hours. Two hours, now we're up to over 800. 800, Prof, in Belgium. 800 in Belgium and we had 400 in Malta. My, all my family are gone. 300, all my kids and my wife are gone. 300 bought in Malta. 400 travelling party total. We've already doubled that. The mob. There is a mob. Think about it. We've doubled our daily amount of attendance. Ed Saul bringing all his kids. Bill Gleeson bringing all the family. There's loads of people. Glenn Dorn, like Loads of loads of listeners are bringing all their family. So we're going to get a big meal away from the absolute debauchery that are Rovers away trips to get all the kids away in the madness for a couple of hours so all the families are going to have some sort of little get together we're going to sort something out but how cool is this going to look on TV oh, our fans in that section do you know what I'm more excited about I'm more excited about my kids remembering it like I'm I'm hoping for five years from now they'll turn around to me and they'll be like remember this remember that fucking chips mm. with mayonnaise or where, that's Belgium isn't it or is that France? Is it? <laughs> it's France. Belgium well, we, waffles. Well, we have a field question in our hotline, but... <coughs> mannequin piss. Like, I'm building up mannequin piss in Brussels. I'm like, wait till you see this statue. It's glorious. It's unbelievable. And they're like, oh, yeah. I can't wait till they see it. <laughs> it's a little child taking a piss in the street. It's terrible. Um, yeah, so... Got a like, message from uh, Woody. He says, uh, Prof, wait until you see Shalua. Is that you pronounce it? Shalua. Shalawa Shalawa Shalua He says it's like Her- Her- Hiroshima After the atomic bomb What? Shalawa Is bad? I didn't know that You're yeah. flying in there aren't you? I am yeah Yeah I put up a thread On Facebook About possibly doing the bus And there was a lot more Interest than I realised I thought Ah oh, maybe Maybe 15 people Are on this flight mm. It's up in the 30s now So At time of recording We are We are looking into a bus For people on that one fifteen Ryanair to uh, Shalua uh, flight arrives four pm. So Shalua. I will. Uh, I'll confirm it one way or another by say Thursday or Friday. Yeah. 
But not the end of the world if you don't have one. Like I looked into taxis. Me and Dan Fulham looked into it. Uh, 16 seater taxi would work out was 24 euro each. They're so, actually quite unreliable these bus companies. Th- there's there's options there. Yeah, like I've emailed a few times and I'm not getting answers. So no, I've booked on. It's not like, for lack of trying here. No, you, it's ridiculous. Like I've given you the contact that I've gone through, but they're actually not getting back to me, and they only confirmed there recently. But they are actually. I, I'd advise you to give them a bell. I think I was talking to Roger, and when I was in the middle of talking to him, I was like, "Yeah, I've booked two buses, and I've I, I need confirmation." And he was like, who who did you book them with? I was like, so, <laughs> Sophie. And he put me on hold. Oh, he's, da, 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 da. And then an email came through. Yes, it's confirmed. Sophie. So he what went in. He went into the back room and said, Sophie! Reply! Reply! So uh, that's that's all. But listen, bear bear with the prof. And um, Worth noting as well, I have never run a bus in my life. So God help you all if this happens. Oh, the, the battery on this one. <laughs> Blacked out windows. Fucking sealed toy. Uh, yeah, so that is it for the buses, but we're going to talk briefly about a little incident on Friday in Dailyman Park. So we lost 1 0 to Bose, and Cleary and Jack started with Big Al back, and the build up to it was all smothered and taken over by the ticket scandal uh, fiasco. The ticket fiasco and the second game of Keith Lounge, the two things. But, um, Prof, can you please tell me what I told you a week prior to this game? about Boas and the decision making at board level you said that they would sack Heat Long so that we wouldn't have the pleasure of beating them and getting them sacked and you were on the money and I guarantee it was part of it because they knew they'd have that bounce back ability on the new fresh well not fresh management but they've got they haven't got the manager there the typical how many times has happened you lose a gaffer you only win a game Gareth Ferrari 2006 here's, no, here's even more evidence to support your claim Keith Long was in charge for 299 games at Bowes. That Rovers game would have been his 300. Why would you sack a man on 299 games? <laughs> telling you. I'm telling you. And, oh, by the way, a little fly on the wall in the boardroom. What if Rovers beat us? <laughs> we need to get rid of them now. They're, they deci- even, even they're deciding managers. Where and they're thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, the the build-up, like we said, it was all totally, totally dominated by this ticket fiasco, and the ticket scramble was mental as usual. Which and was decided by their board, apparently. Their members' board, so the equivalent of our members' board, so they pretty much sat around and they decided nope, which we wouldn't do because we're a professional club, and um, I don't believe that there was that much damage. I don't believe that. I mean, things happen in derbies, realistically, and after games and post game, pre game. It's hard to prove damage in a stadium you like Daily Mount. It's already <laughs> such a kip, but uh, also worth mentioning. I've not heard not heard anyone say this to me, and it was one of those sort of light bulb moments. It's like the FAI never find us for Daily Mount. Therefore, all this shit they're going on about is only their opinion. Their opinion, literally their opinion. So whatever they were thwarted about or frustrated and angry, that's just their opinion I think Danny Mandrew might have been given a like remember in Danny Mandrew at that time when the bottles were thrown and stuff like mm-hmm. that th- th- ultimately that was it and I know it goes back to the start of the season as well but it's obviously there was stupid stuff there was stuff thrown at uh, a medic and all which we talked about on the podcast at the time which what? pissed us off massively ah yeah we definitely condemned there was, it there but was some stupid stuff happened but 
The Flares didn't actually interrupt the game, did it? Or no. I think one. All teams have I think done. One I mean, stage there was one showing on, right? But a lot was pre-match, wasn't it? They chucked on like what twelve, fifteen flares at the start of the season as well. Like it happens; these things happen, and they they want to start mm. cutting allocation like that. We mm. wouldn't do it because we're professional. We will give them all the tickets they want, all all they're entitled to. There you go, there you go, lads. Take your tickets. So you know, one thing we actually forgot to mention a couple of weeks ago, you know, the Pats game when they were beaten by the the Bulgarians. Yep, <laughs> the Pats fans throwing stuff. During the the melee, yeah, of of like twenty two players throwing stuff at their own players, yeah, pair of Ray Bans and everything. Have you ever seen something so stupid? No, it's ridiculous. So very frustrating though. It was very frustrating, and so yeah. So the email kind of got leaked or whatever. It was what was it? it was an email from the members, yeah, both members or something. And the last line was very funny. It was just like, you know, we we have to be on top behavior ourselves. But um, so yeah, long sacked, and then Jim Crawford has since been linked with the job. I said last week that Trevor Crowdy, this would be his first game in the dugout aside from us. I actually forgot about this very brief spell with Bray. He was there for a few months, so it wouldn't been his first. Oh yeah, Trevor um, Crowdy. Aussie Prof. He said a Pat's mate texted me there saying they had only two part loose for eight hundred, and one of the jacks had an A4 piece of paper on it with Weemans. Spell that. Written on it. W-E-M-E-N-S. Weeman's written on it. It doesn't surprise me now because <laughs> I went for piss when I went in. It was three of them. Did that, did that, was that sign actually on a door of a toilet? W-E-M-E-N-S. So, there was 358 of us. I'd say about 400. And they three toilets. Nothing for the ladies. And uh, so one per 130 people or whatever. So, it's, it was disgusting. And you could tell that thing hasn't been cleaned and weeks so listen it's nothing new we're used to it at one stage a bowl substitute went to the toilet and there was some there was some arguing going on yeah that was their man the seven that came on was it McDade was it the Scott number seven I think he skipped the queue and he went into the ladies one and he got belled of a fucking uh, smoke cod something like that but either way yeah the odds for the bowls job this was before kind of Crawford was starting to get linked Caulfield was 17 to 20 and Eamon Ryan was one to two. Um, who do you want, Prof? We don't. We're going to talk about the hotline. But um, who do you want to get in? This is a hotline question we asked this week. It's not. It's not about want. It's just about what I think could happen. I, I'm pretty sure Bucko won't be offered, and he won't go for. Right. Well, he might. I suppose he might go for, but I don't think it's not. It's not going to be Bucko. The roster officially. Roster ruled the CV out of action there. Even though plenty of Rovers, plenty, plenty of Bowes fans wanted him Crawford to go. Crawford makes sense, I suppose, because he's under 21's manager and Bowes have a very youthful team. But in saying that, what makes you think that, what makes people think that Crawford will actually look at that and go, yeah, that's attractive? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He managed us for four games in 2008 after, yeah. after um, Pascal. I'm going to go for hopefully Bernie Madoff. <laughs> he's brilliant at absolutely ruining people financially. That'd be good. Brady Ahern was another good one. He absolutely crippled the Irish economy. Get him in there. Chris Martin, I have a call play. Absolutely ruined music for me because they're such a shit band. And John Wayne Gacy, he'd fit in around Eddie Mount, wouldn't he? <laughs> That's quite the list. <laughs> That's quite the dinner party, isn't it? Um, yes. So, like we said, 358 tickets, Bose member decided. And it was, uh, it was, a f- it was nuts. 
it was nuts trying to get a ticket and trying to sort everybody out. It wasn't fair. Poor. We had every all the kids. I have to say, I did. A, a, there was a couple of kids trying to, you know, chance and get their arm, get their way in. It was great to see. Poor Owen Walsh on the hunt for spears. Spears, yeah. Just couldn't get any spears. <laughs> uh, he obviously has that auto correct in his phone. Uh, just he just kept doing it over and over again. Um, yeah, sneaky points beforehand. Magic bro. moment in the pub, Gar. I didn't actually make the pub, but you did. I was in Mulligan's, and yeah. Gar, after five years. It happened. Who did you meet? Oh, how did I forget? <laughs> so I'm in this O'Brien. We're actually we're in the we were in Mulligan's Forest, and I I I'd never been Mulligan's. So went in, had a point, went out, and just went. I was like, "What is that?" It's an Ethiopian restaurant beside it. So I'm wandering in, and I didn't get a chance to have some girl. But that is next on the list, Prof. That Ethiopian restaurant. If if you could, the smell of the food was outrageous. So that's next. We went in. So we entered the Mulligan's. Had one off to the Brian Baru and I'm having a piss. And just as I'm about to walk out, you know when you turn, someone walks in the door at the same time, we kind of just stared at each other. I was like, well, hello there. <laughs> and we just started chatting. We are like, this is a fine place to finally meet. It was very funny too. It was, and I was I just took one. And I was, I was going to, I think, I Jim, think. Jim Conroy, by the way, you didn't say who it was. Yeah, Jim Conroy. So Jim Conroy <laughs> finally met him. So we had a good chat anyway. And, uh, that is ridiculous. <laughs> Since we've funny. started this podcast, last Friday in Mulligans is the first time you met Jim Carter. No, in the Brown Brew. It was in the Brown Brew. Or in Brown yeah, Brew. in the Brown Brew. Yeah, mental. Very funny though. Two of us just start laughing. Did he walk away and go, and keep on hooping? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, loads of creamy G's in Mulligans. Very, very nice point in there, Prof. You love it. And I was there the, the previous derby. Nice, yeah. good, nice Guinness, Great, isn't it? Fantastic point. Yeah, it, it is known as the best point in Guinness in Dublin, isn't it? Has I'd that, beg to differ. Has that give bankers a, a, a run for its money there? But uh, yeah, so Finner floral tribute to Mono pre-match. So we gave him the flowers for the deceased mm-hmm. uh, Bowes fan. Did you get the same sense of me in the stand, looking around and be like I've never had so much room in this? Shed end before. Not even room. I didn't. Know, I didn't think there was that much. It just it was just sad really to see that it was all cut off like that. It felt the waste, yeah. Because when you think about it, we would have had easily a thousand there, right? I just kept thinking, where, what are they all doing? Where are they watching the match? Do you know what I mean? They definitely would have been if the tickets had been there. They would have went. Yeah, because especially in, in the week of activities hotline, I find myself texting a lot of people. Mm. So I asked them, you know, like, oh, um, are you going to the game or where are you watching the game? And someone would say no, and I was like surprised. I'm like, oh well, actually, yeah, you only had like a fifty-fifty chance of going. So literally, yeah. no, like no harm. Or sorry, can't blame you really. Mm. Um, first ten minutes scare. Ugh. We were actually okay. We were alright. We came out and Jack was on it, and it looked like we were ready to, you know, hit the ground running. But ugh, they just turned it into a typical derby. I think I saw. Derek Pender say it was a real Bowes performance that's how Bowes kind of win their derbies isn't it blood and guts and just make a meal out of it so it's unfortunately we they were we massively up for it in fairness Bowes we possibly yeah. shaded it in the first half um, we had a good chance with Hoar this really should have been a goal man you didn't watch it back you were fucking you didn't want to watch it back did you no I've actually not watched the highlights no. I just in the, in the WhatsApp group people put up the the Fells comparison so I watched them because I was curious but I've actually not watched highlights because I just I want to forget about this yeah, game. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. But, it was terrible, miss. Like, but listen, these things happen. People miss chances. You can't dwell on it. So I was well. We're I'm I was on the opposite side of the ground, but from my angle, it did look like an absolute sitter anyway. But uh, look, it did. It was it's worse. It's worse on camera. Like we we were we weren't at the races, and 
I thought with Brad's post-match comments in a little while, which I totally agreed mm. with, and it was refreshing to hear him be very, very honest about our performance. The They were time-wasting by the 20th minute nearly. Literally. And in the first half, they were trapping like flies. I think three or four injuries, like physios brought on. Their keeper uh, was, a, was a big one as well. Their keeper, yeah. Not um, not Talbot, just the, the reserve keeper. We, we got a few tunes in, though. We, got, we finally got to sing uh, Thursday Night. At balls in Danny Mount, mm. the the song, um, the Andy Lyon song I hate. Which one? The only song, the only Andy Lyon song. Like Andy Lyons is a hoop. He hates balls. Yeah. Even though he played with them for five years. Maloney's one was brilliant, and he tried so hard to get a goal in Sligo that time. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. literally sang, stood in front of like five hundred Rovers fans and just sang it, looking into their eyes. <laughs> Just coercing them, willing them to yeah. sing it back, and it was a great tune. But unfortunately, we'll never. Uh, listen, I love, I love the idea of singing for Andy Lyons. But just can we, can we have a better song than "He Hates Bows"? Just the one we've sang for loads Quincy of years. He doesn't actually. So yeah, the song is false. Having said that, when we started singing that about Max Murphy, I laughed my head off. Yeah, yeah. that's clever. Like I like that. <laughs> yeah. After his own, goal. that was very good. In fairness, um. Well, you said we were okay <clears throat> in the first, I don't know. I think for 80 minutes of the match, we were absolutely awful and it was our worst performance of the season. Yeah, no, it was really poor, but uh, <clears throat> balls weren't much better in the first half, in my opinion. I don't think they mm. were that much better. No, it was pretty, it was even enough and it was just very scrappy. There was just, there were so many spells of just the ball would bounce around and then there'd be a foul and then... You know, a bit of ping pong. Like it was a p- really poor match. It's disgusting. Let's be honest. Yeah. It was a horrible, horrible game of football. In terms of subs, I was just, I was surprised neither Justin nor Chris McCann came on. Chris possibly not the game for them. I thought it was a Chris McCann game though. I thought mm. Chris McCann had come on and we would hold on to possession a little bit more, and he'd be a lot smarter in his uh, distribution. And I think Ferrazoi substitution with keeping Jack on the pitch as well where McCann would have found them with that precision passing that he's known for mm. in in the in their towards I thought that could have been a little bit more effective but um, it pitch, wasn't pitch was very poor as well I don't know, unless, unless Brazzer took that into account as well but we only made three subs compared to Drogheda we made six subs I know one was extra time I think the way the game was going as well he possibly looked at that and seen Ferrazoi on the bench and thought these are kicking fucking lumps out of us here Mm. Maybe he wants to protect them. You could think of it like that, maybe. Possibly, as well. yeah. So we'll, we'll come to the red card now, which. <sighs> silly, silly. He didn't uh, need to do. He didn't. Oh, that's the thing when I watched it back. He didn't need to do it. He was going into nowhere. He was going into our players, and Cor was covering him. It was just a stupid, stupid fell. And you know, I just go back to his yellow. I remember thinking, I can't remember when he, when he got that yellow. It was possibly, I think, possibly at the start of the second half. Um, he just got in the player's face it was just one of those challenges and then players come together and they're intimidating each other I, I remember seeing that yellow and thinking oh that's a bit needless I wonder, well, I wonder will that come back to haunt us but he literally just kicked him on while he's running by him like his point it was it was such a clumsy tackle and like there's a few players in front of him it's not necessary so that's the 70th minute and Carlin knows Let's here. get out of here with a draw. Carlin well, knows we here. That's the 70th minute, and then they score in the 72nd. But Gar, those two minutes felt like about seven because we were seriously under the cosh here. It's horrible. And we had to ride that out. If we didn't ride out those few minutes, 
they were just going to score and we were going to lose the game. Yeah. And so it proved. We just we had to see out that pressure and we couldn't. And we didn't do it. Now, the thing is, the, with the goal, lovely goal, let's be honest, Bort, supposedly a hoop next year. Um, Jack Bourne slid into Tesco. He's gone. He's <laughs> slid into the frozen food oil. He's in with the peas. He got sent for a herald. And he got little shimmy and then Bort to top right. Kind of brilliant, brilliant, brilliant finish. Let's be honest. That was a great strike. Super, the moment, the moment he hit it, it's like, oh, that's it. The second he sent them for the bag of chips, I thought to myself, that's a goal. He just he has the momentum here. Because I feel like we've seen a few crackers in that end already. Like, we wasn't Mandroyo's yeah. one? Was that, one yeah. that was in that end. Yeah, we've seen a few. So yeah. I just thought, right, that's a goal. And we we didn't do much after that. I mean, we 10 men. We were, they, it was just never going to happen, was it? We had a goal at the end. Um, Idemo was on Idemo had a lot of the ball actually I, I thought he was he was trying to play the Graham Burke role yeah which I don't think he's ready to do no not at all and even I think what summed up our night was his last contribution to the game and the last kick of the game was uh, the free kick or the the cross he was at wide and he just it just went mm. it went into the construction yard there so yeah unfortunately uh, shocking but we'll talk about the decisions from Hennessy Prof I, like I can't get over some of these decisions like the Kieran Kelly tackle was uh, he was like a bat out of hell like it was, it, was, was it was a red no I don't think it would have affected the game maybe the the Kieran Kelly decision could have it was earlier in the game mm. but that that's a red all day and like I know you know when you agree with Alan Cawley Alan Cawley said it was red which probably does probably means it was a yellow but I don't know. It, it was it was a terrible, terrible tackle. Really, really poor. He flew into it, and then the the Chris Tordek challenge on I think it was was it what? Or was it before um, that? It was after that. One I'm going to talk about is the Tordek. There's an injury. There's an injury time foul on Ferrugia. Um, is it Tordek? Yeah, Tordek definitely. But he did the kind of flipping thing. He didn't even tackle him with his legs. He just dived into him yeah so it's in injury time so it's at the end so again we're not we're not saying it's going to affect the game but it's just the inconsistency pisses you off it's a very similar challenge to the to the Watts one and he's on a yellow why is that not a second yellow I, I really really don't know he's he's past the player he glides past the player and then Twardek just dives on it's him it's such an obvious like, no attempt for the ball that is a second yellow all day. Why did he bottle it? Sometimes with these decisions, like whether it's a yellow or a red, you can sort of, you can do sort of mind gymnastics and say, okay, well maybe the ref has decided this for some reason. Yeah. But how can you look at that foul and not think that's a yellow? He didn't even Kevin Lynch it. He it's didn't. Baffling. He didn't even it up. He didn't. You know. He <laughs> Kevin didn't think Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> Prof put me onto a brilliant, brilliant we're podcast. We're listening. Yeah, we're listening to this week. Kevin Lynch, the referee, is very good. Um, um, I don't know how he didn't he didn't give it honestly like and he had a great view of the Kieran Kelly one he flew in like a rocket two feet it's a it's a fucking leg breaker he didn't send him off but we've been on the receiving end of brilliant horrible decisions that have benefited us it swings and roundabouts we can discuss it we're not better we probably wouldn't have won the game anyway we were terrible yeah but let's just focus on Hennessy in particular like this is the same referee who gave us three penalties in Baddy Buffet in yeah, five minutes yeah 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 that same referee has also had these mad decisions Go against us as well. He's such a weird ref. Wildly inconsistent. That that points toward one thing for me, Prof. I won't say yeah. anymore. Crap crap pitch, crap game, crap ref, uh, crap performance. Um, that's about it. That's but, it um, yeah. I, I didn't, personally, I didn't fancy us to do the whitewash. I just thought, 
You can blame Matty O'Dowd for this one. Yeah, he was the only person who brought up the word white. The second he said it, I was like, no! Listen to the show last week and the stats. I steered totally clear of any (laughs) such words. When's the last time we did it? (laughs) I I was waiting for you to ask me that. Way back yonder in 2020. <laughs> what? Oh, 2020, was it? Two out of two. Yeah, whitewash. But this is our first year that we've beaten three times since 1989-90. So that was three out of three. But yeah, I always thought the whitewash was a bit unlikely. I just thought, that, ah, these are going to be up for it. So I thought maybe a draw, you know. Um, the Gaffney still, Bourne still, Are we talking about Gaffney Bourne that, Before we get that, um, still no nil-nil in a derby since 2015. Which is a curious stat, I think. Yeah, super stat. And as Meatloaf sort of said, Gare, three out of four ain't bad. <laughs> um, but just the fans' reaction. Um, everybody was unhappy. Really so. It was a shit performance. It, yeah. was, it was a terrible performance. It was simple. And Bradzer said it in his post-match game, in his post-match comments. He said pretty much, listen, we had an off night. It happens. These things happen. You move on. Yeah, he pretty much admitted right. that we were poor. There's no point in dwelling on it. If you look back on the seven months previous to that, and all the performance that we've had this year, and we've been brilliant, you can have an off night every so often. It's not as if we've been terrible. We had an off night. Right, lads, let's not ha- let's make sure it doesn't happen again. You know? Do you know, I, I'm saying fans' reaction, but I actually flicked your hours, Sean, and it wasn't that bad. If you no. compare it, it's, it's totally different to 2018 defeat the Bows. Because what did this change, really? Like, it moved Bowles up from 6th to 6th. We're still top of the table. With still Crusaders. precarious on top of this. I'm not happy, though. Yeah, it's four points with a game in hand, is it? Yeah, it's still tricky, in my opinion, though. Still very, very tricky. And people were saying it was over two weeks ago, which I didn't understand at I all. I won't mention any names. But, uh, no, no, it's complete. It's, it's annoying, obviously, but it's totally different to a defeat in that eight-game run. It's miles apart. And um, yeah, look, and our five defeats this season have all been away from home to five different clubs, all by the odd goal. Oh, so just the odd goal, five different clubs. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we'll talk about Gaffney. There's a discussion doing the rounds. Has he, is he burnt out? I think this is unfair on him. I don't think he's burnt out. I think he might have just kind of hit a wall momentarily. Mm. Um. And on top of every other player in that eleven that were terrible, that so why is the Gaffney being burnt out? Thing why is he being singled out? I didn't think he was the worst player on the pitch by a long shot. So I think that's unfair to ask is Gaffney burnt out just because he's not producing absolute magic week in week out. So I think I'll no, move I on swift. No, no, there is an argument out there. It's not you. There is an I argument out there. I didn't there. mean the question is criticism. I just meant. Where how many how many competitive games have we played this season? Like over thirty. It's a va- it's a valid discussion and it's worth having a chat about but I just I don't buy into it I don't but it can so. be fixed like he can be rested at the right times yep. and stuff but it's just that we're in the middle of a title run in now and he has been pivotal to how we play and our best before if you look at our best performances like that's one of the reasons I'm not too disheartened about balls because we, we very rarely have two bad performances in a row we mm. always come back and everything's rosy again so that's why I don't get too high or too low. and You often hear Brazzer and the players say that. We don't get too high or too low yeah. after wins and losses. Common sense coming into a profit. Um, another for, argument as well, yeah, bro. This one now I agree with. Jack and Dylan. Can they play together? I don't think they... Can, can we name a good Jack and Dylan dynamic duo performance? Here's a better question. Can you name a good Jack and Dylan season? Because 
Jack was out when Dylan... What's, when what's they, Dylan's best seasons? 2018. Yeah. When he when, comes when, in. When Jack left. No, when Jack no, hadn't signed for a Jack time. hadn't signed, yeah. But then Dylan took over when Jack left. Yeah. And his other best season, 2021, when Jack was gone. Yeah. So the 2021 season was... we The 2020 was COVID invincible season. Mm-hmm. He played a lot of games now. Yeah. But like a lot of them were off the bench as well. And then... What stepped up? Yeah, I think that's a valid argument, Prof. I mean, mm. I love, I love anyone. Actually, there's a there's a good question for the fans. Can anybody actually give us an example of when they ha- can remember the two of them playing well together? I know they. I have seen them. I have seen us play well in games. But it's an argument. Well, I've seen. Well valued no, I've seen Watson Jack have good moments in games together, but it's nice like that where you're like, oh. I know. It must be a reason why they've never. We can't. It doesn't even jump into our mind. Yeah. Big, like great interchanges between. Like I can. I can think of laws between Berkey and uh, Berkey and Jack. Yeah. Even Berkey and Mandroyu, well, who's gone now? I think of laws between Mandroyu and Jack. Mm. Greener and Gaffney. Yeah, they're the new <laughs> the summer of Green and Gaffney. Yeah. Um, Brazzer's comments we spoke about those prof um, I think like I said I totally agreed with what he said and it was refreshing to hear him talk about a bad performance and saying listen we move on we won't dwell on it Yeah, uh, we had an off night which is totally allowed considering and he, he sprinkled the right amount of praise and hammering as well at the same time so yeah, yeah. No, I was happy enough with his comments I was quite happy with uh, Darren Cleary now. I thought he, he was excellent. I thought Cleary was the best player on the pitch for us I yeah he, he was, was yeah. excellent he had a really really good game Um I move on to our starting 11s in a while. I, I, you might be shocked with that one, but some th- hostility towards the chefs and Danny Mount. I, I absolutely shocking behaviour. Uh, uh, an angel of a man, <laughs> squeaky clean. Been in this room. <laughs> yeah, absolute gentleman. Absolute gentleman. So I, I don't, uh, I don't agree with it. Uh, the Mirror article on why we're selling Alliance. Um, once again, brutal honesty from Bradzart saying that, listen, it's it's what it is. We're not going to give mad money to people and keep them here because we have a budget and we're realistic. And uh, I think they got the price. They were probably the best price they were going to get by doing good Three, negotiating. 350 yeah. we got. Uh, I presume there's a couple of add-ons in there. but it's, um, it's pittings at the end of the day. But we are, what you could say is we are kind of leading the way with transfers as regards to getting decent money. When was, I think not too long ago, the biggest fee... I think it was a Cork, a Cork player going somewhere, wasn't it? Was it O'Donovan or Doyle? Roy O'Donovan, yeah, for Cork to Cork Sutherland million. in 2007. I think, think maybe Roy Keane was manager, but um, 500,000, yeah. And Bazunu, the the basic Bazunu fee was that, plus much more with add-ons. Yeah. So we broke that. So listen, I think we are leading the way as regards to that, and we've got good pros involved in our transfer it's policies. So, it's so slow. Like, we're going to have to just keep setting the likes of lines to sort of like raise the floor to where 600,000 mm. uh, transfers are the norm. It's going to be very, very gradual, which is ridiculous because at this stage, how can England not look at the League of Ireland and robbers in particular Yeah, and still be offered? Like Blackpool offered us 100,000 and then they raised it to 200,000. Then we had to get some more out of them as well. It's nuts though because I was watching... I was watching Lazio and Napoli and they have this Georgian kid playing for them. He was with Ruben Kazan and he went back to Dynamo Batumi who we discussed because we could have drew them. 
and Dynamo Batumi, I think are in the Georgian League. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name at the minute. And they pay, Lazio paid 10 million. <laughs> now, he's a good player. That, how, how do you even... That is all about precedent. I guarantee you yeah. someone went from that league for 5 million. He scored as well. The previous it. year. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, we need we need to... We need we need to get like four million for Ferrazoi. <laughs> we need to sell this boy. Uh yeah, so um that is it for the, the Lions article, but I think anyone who needs a left full just goes to Rovers. <laughs> so, Scales, some production Clark, line, isn't it? The whole lot. So yeah, so the Tifty's hotline prop. The Tifty's hotline questions were as follows. So who here who are your here are your questions? Who's your what's your favourite ever European trip at Rovers? Oof. I, I enjoyed them so much but I think well, we, we've put this question in a couple of times now yeah we may have answered we, it before we, we could talk about it all I think I think Bergen kind of sticks out for me because of the result and the crack yeah. and just everything in general it was a good Ber- good trip Bergen edges it for me just over Iceland as a game I'm obviously going to pick Quiet Lane but as a trip Bergen is yes, my favourite yeah yeah uh, have you done any of the four this year we did Malta Malta was uh Interesting. <laughs> are you going to go to any of the three group stage away games and what are your routes, Prof? We are, I have a gang going to Ghent. You're Belgium as well. You're booked in with Sweden. Yep. Looking at Sweden at the minute, I only guess how many days leave I have left. What? Until April. Is this, are you taking out your Belgium in it's this? It's taking out Belgium. It's taking out all the away trips by like the European ones. I'm going to say you have four left. Three and a half. <laughs> how do you get three and a half? That's what I said. Where's the half? Like, can I go home at two o'clock one day? I'm actually. Can I, can I take a half day? <laughs> How does that work? Hang on, but yeah. What, what does half mean? Three and a half. I don't know. I, they couldn't Did answer. you take a half day? No, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't know. even work that way. It doesn't you, work. You get even numbers. No, I, I was actually very cautious the previous year, so I'm very comfortable now with my. I'm terrible. My annual leave. I'm terrible. Um. So, are you going to go to any of the trees? So we did that one. Have you had a travel mishap or horror story with Rovers? Have we had one? No, no. I think we're all right. Um, Thanks to our <laughs> direct flights in and out of Malta. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, otherwise we wouldn't have been so lucky. But um, no, I mean, so there's a few stories in the hotline there about people, uh, you know, falling asleep on trains, and ends up in other countries and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, but uh, we've nothing like that. Best local food you ate in a foreign city? Ah, oh, got to be the reindeer, reindeer song. song. That was stunning. That was amazing. Absolutely stunning. Reindeer hot dogs with, I think, some sort of fucking relish. Oh, man. Absolutely. Me and Ozzy Nate absolutely devouring them. Um, what's the one Rovers game you regret not going to? Can be domestic, European, home away. I have a couple of days I was thinking about the prof. Belgrade, 100%. Whitehart Lane, 100%. Um, any game in Milltown. I would have just loved to have seen Milltown. Just to say you were there. Just to say I was there. You know you're only a two-year-old. Yeah, I would have. No, but just, you know, fucking DeLorean and Time Machine. But I'd love to have been able to have seen a game in Milltown. And it has to be a game that you sat oh. down and consciously didn't go to, I think. I don't think it should be counted as... I wasn't, go I wasn't there as a nipper, so... Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, God. Yeah, I suppose Belgrade for me as well. Although I wasn't... I was only... I was only in Fallen Rovers a couple of years at that stage. Yeah, there's, there's so, definitely plenty. Um, think of other European trips didn't go to. I think, uh, well, well, definitely Whitehair Lane was on the cards at the time, but I, I think I just bought a house. North Macedonia would have been cool, alright. Um, it looks like everyone who went had, had a good time there. Yeah, we got yeah. the win as well. But 
and other t- European ones, nothing I majorly regret. And I, I've been to like pretty much. I've only missed like two home games, I think, in the last twelve years. So there's no. <laughs> Your record's pretty good. There's no home game I can think of. Maybe the other way one I should have gone to, but now nothing jumping out. Do you boy hoops in every week? No, I'm afraid. I'm ashamed, and I should. I should really. I used to. Do you know what? When the. Do you know what was easier for me when the bundles came out? I bought all the bundles, and I just thought this is deadly. This is handy. So maybe that could come back again. Is that possible? Could you do it? Oh, for hoops in. Yeah. because um, oh, when I I just thought it was lovely. Now I know you're going to the game. And it's easy to just walk up. But when I saw the bundles, I just thought, lovely. That was more of a COVID thing, though, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, but I knew it was coming. I was sitting in the house. I was like, oh, lovely. It's coming in. What's in the door? Oh, it's the boobs in. That was when, you know, costs were... Or, you know, there wasn't much income coming to the club. And it was a way of showing your support. Yeah. Saying, like, yeah, I'll keep buying the program. Robert Gorgans had knocked into the house with two big bags of programs. He's like, right, get rid of them. Send them out. <laughs> Um, maybe, no, um, I, I should really get involved. Considering you're writing articles and everybody else, and how 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 cool it is. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I don't. I do send you my articles now and then, but yeah, I think that's what um, it is. I'm spoiled. And I'll get ten well, out of ten well, for me and value for money as well. Prof Fiverr, like, like I always talk about that. Fiverr is total, totally, totally value for money because it um like four four was cheap so it's a hundred percent considering the content and you broke it down on the show recently definitely definitely do you enjoy the articles interviews and features and what could improve it if anything um from what i'm like i'm skimming through your ones when i'm over here and i think because you you have them here as well and i'll be looking at them like oh, this sucker because he's paying for it now i'm i'm reading it but it's uh like what market what 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 does it not have say that what does it not have bro well, one of our answers in the hotline gave it 7 out of 10, but then he couldn't say what could improve it, which I thought made no sense. Yeah, when I heard that, I was like, yeah. this, this fellow wants to smoke, does he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I don't know how he could improve it. We've got a lot of different voices and different angles to our interviews and content, so mm. um, if anyone has ideas, tell us about them. Like I said, it was the first thing I picked up when I sat in the toilet, so, you know. And that's oh, not, here that, we go. That's not... Why is people get offended by that? Here goes the that toilet is my, that, is, that is my private time. That is when I get to be me. It's when all, all I can hear is, Dad! I'm just like, once that door closes, Garrett, minute, Garrett. Can't hear a thing. On the shelf in your bathroom, <laughs> right beside the aftershave, the shower drill, and the colgate, Talatime. is a copy of Talatime. Talatime, straight away. Um, is there any way you help the club unofficially if not is there a role you'd like to do one day in an official or unofficial capacity oh definitely I'm gunning for that media officer role <laughs> gunning for it I reckon I have all the qualities to be a top top class media officer media whore I reckon I could bring it to new levels levels that have never been hit before and will never be hit under the current regime you're going to bring some razzmatazz here <laughs> Razzmatazz. <laughs> um, I don't know how high I'm. I think I feel pretty involved already. I don't really want any more involvement right now. I think we do a bit. We do a little bit. Like it's just natural to us at this stage that we like being involved with the club and helping out in whatever way possible. I, I, the way I would answer that is, I want it to just happen naturally. I'd no ambitions to do this or that. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. if if the time is right and. You know, there's interest there, whatever. But at the moment, I'm quite happy. Yeah, I think you can't. There. There's no sights set. Yeah. You're not going for anything in particular. Yeah, I get you. I get you. It's gonna happen. 
Player of the year at the moment. Um, this this is like it's so, it's not sewn up, but there's there's four clear candidates, and we talked about it before. It's Gary O'Neill, Sean Hoare, or Gaffney Alamanis. I'd agree with that. If you had to narrow it down to two, though, a lot of people in the hotline are saying Gaffney and Manis. Hoare's feels hard done by there, but if you were to be really, really, really honest, it's gone. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Hoare just. Unfortunately, as a defender, you don't get the plot that strikers do and attacking players do. Mm. And if you were to narrow it down, I think 80-90% of people would say Gaffney. So Gaffney and Manus, I think. I can't wait to see how Rory Gaffney loses this Club Player of the Year award. <laughs> Again. Because last year, he got injured for the last four games. Everyone totally forgot what he did in the previous 32 games. Danny Mandroyu came in. Scored five goals against relegation fodder. Ashbury won the title. Someone predicted this. And then everybody went to the fucking vote on him as player of the year. Totally undeserved. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Dunn wanted smoke off you. He was in the town and you were going, Where is he? Get the prop <laughs> down here now. Mandrew for president. Blah, 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 blah. I think that is genuinely one of the worst decisions of player of the year. Woo-hoo! In the history of this club. Now, now granted he scored doubles in big games past Dundalk. Mm, the balls won I think that was the end of the season he did score big goals now I'm tar- talking about as a general co- contribution over 36 games awful decision I think Brandon Cavanagh getting young player of the year is one of the worst ones did <laughs> remember you, that did you, well, played like 4 games was that 2019 was yeah it? there was not much going on at all there I think it was a lack of candidates but I think possibly Bazunu was up there for it and they were saying you can't give it to him you only play 4 games <laughs> there was a few years in a row there where it was slim pickings for a young player of the year. A lot of our options have only have only played like five games. Yeah, Bazuna won. We haven't even talked about this year. He only played six games. So what? But under he was the obvious choice. So who's going to get it this year? Andy Lyons under twenty three. Am I right? He's twenty two now. And is it twenty three? Did he just did he just turn twenty three? Possibly twenty three or under. I think so. Andy Lyons is it nailed? If that's the case. Hmm. Um. Won't. If it is under 23, it's, it's Lions. It's one of those, like, say... Say if it's not Lions, right? You kind of have to go for Justin. I don't, Even I though he's only know. played six games. I doesn't come into the picture here. Scored goals. Three goals in three different European yeah, you're competitions. Right, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? It's... Far more match. Is it, I don't want to say the word default, but... you know. Far more game time than Justin. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and Gideon has only played a few games as well. Bonus questions, Prof. Predictions. How many points will we get in the conference group? And... Oh, I know I'm going to be hammered for this. I can hear screams from Buddy Farmer already. <laughs> I'm going to say seven points at home. I'm not sure of the order. I think we're going to we're going to win two, and we're going to draw one. And I, I don't. I think we'll scrape a draw somewhere along the road on on the road. But I think we'll probably be beaten twice, and then we get a draw. So we'll go. We'll go eight points. Eight points, bro. It's a very very healthy guess. I think we're getting between five and seven. Five I think seven. we're going to get at least one home win. I think we're going to hold one of the other two teams to a draw at, at the least at home. So there's, four, so there's four. And I think when it comes down to, to your Gordon in the last game. <laughs> your Gordon. That could be, you never know, it could be a dead rubber or it could be unimportant to them or something. You know, but you could go there, possibly get a surprise win. So, it depends on how things are shaping up in the last game, I would say. Though, so the B Colony Prof, who's going to be in charge? We've talked about it earlier on. Mike Bassett, hopefully. 
Um, I don't know. It's. I think they'll possibly, if on, on a serious note, they'll possibly go for someone outside of the league, and they'll they'll swoon them with the prospect of you know, the I think it's Blanchardstown. They train in with the the complex that they have there, the new academy. They'll just really make them buy into it and then all of a sudden when they've lost three games out of five and start the season their fans will turn on them it's a poison chalice really but I, th- I think they probably I will go from abro- go to abroad first of their fans I mean Long was there what seven eight years Um, took a long time for them to turn on them yeah I so think it's, it's, I think they'll give them time wherever it is but yeah like I said I just don't see it the Liam Buckley type going in there he just no. doesn't fit their Whatever the fuck they are, <laughs> Greta Thunberg. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. You think a manager like Roddy? I know he's Roddy. You can't take him too seriously, but he's saying I wouldn't take the job if they offered me. Do you think other experienced managers are looking at that and thinking, I don't want this off the field shit? A hundred percent. Yeah. Some some other managers will look at that and to say they they don't. That's baggage, really. It is baggage, mm. and very possible that it could turn a manager off. And he'd look at it and he'd be like, "Okay, well, they are their initiatives that he might not necessarily agree with or want have nothing to do with the football." Well, club. more so the They're, focus on them. Yeah, the the focus. Yeah, I think so. Maybe so. But listen, the the budget's been improved there as well, so mm. it mightn't even be the case. He could, they could probably think these managers coming in. I don't give a bollocks what goes on. But I'm might- focusing on the football because it's not being taken away from the first team. Whereas I think in the last year or so. The, the budget was kind of smaller look at the amount of players they brought in the budget was smaller and that was probably frustrating fans because ultimately there was a lot of, a lot of focus on these off field initiatives nothing going into the into the team but now they've ploughed money into the team so I think they probably think here get all the fucking beehives you want I don't care we have a few quid in the first team now I think it's perfect it's, I think it's a, a Duffer Shelburne type thing they're going to end up with like Shelburne was perfect for Duffer in his first job He's gonna be gonna he he's gonna be given two years there at least yeah, to build a team. A big name. I'm not saying a big former Ireland international is gonna get it. I'm just saying that's that type who will be given the chance. They'll keep Derek Pender. Crawley could go down with the wayside. Um, be interesting to see what happens though. So we have Tiffy's hotline prop. It's part one. Dave Carpenter, Killian McHale, Laura Glacken, Willie Conlon, and Bill Gleeson. Hi, Dave Carpenter here. Best European away trip would have to be Tottenham of White Hart Lane in 2011. Um, that was close one with uh, Juventus and Medina. That was a great trip as well, but Spurs is probably the standout one by virtue of the fact that we went one up. Uh, we had over 4,000 fans there, amazing support. Um, Joe Lewis, the Tottenham owner, after the match that night said that uh, he wouldn't be interested in buying any of our players, but he'd be interested in buying the support um, which is a testament to the the huge support that we had that night. Um, I haven't done any of the trips so far this year uh, due to holidays and the difficulties in getting to some of the destinations that we were drawn in, but I'm down to do two of the away trips in the group stages, heading off to Ghent next week via Eindhoven um, and then off to Stockholm in November um, through Amsterdam. So really looking forward to them. Um, had a couple of travel mishaps with Rovers, a couple of horror stories. Um, won't go into some of them. Um, probably 
the worst travel mishap was getting abandoned uh, I've forgotten about up in Dundalk and having to try and hitch my way back from there a long time ago um, best local food in a foreign city um, I love my fish and pasta so I suppose anything in, in Italy um, particularly seafood and pasta uh, would be top of my list one Rovers game I regret not going to probably was um, the away game with, with Celtic um, in Parkhead way back in, in the mid-80s. Um, we ran them pretty close in Milltown. We should have probably beaten them. They scored in a breakaway goal and we had a lot of injuries for the, the second return leg. Um, could have scored early on in that match as well, but uh, you know, by all accounts, that was a great trip and one I missed out on, so I certainly regret missing that one. Uh, by the hoop scene every week. Um, always, uh, always collected. Have a, a big stash of them stacked away in my bar. Um, I think it's it's an excellent program, probably the best in the league. Um, and a fiver, I think, is good value for money. And it usually takes me a few days to to read it. Don't usually read it on the night. I might read a couple of articles, but uh, I enjoy the, the the features and particularly uh, the genius that's Mister Maloney. Um, I was obviously involved with the club as a director for a long time, between 2005 and 2012, so not involved so much anymore. But, you know, if I do help out occasionally uh, on a ad, as-needs basis. If, if somebody needs a bit of support in the club, I'm, I'd gladly help out whenever I can. Um, player of the year at the moment, I have to say it's probably... Rory Gaffney for me, though the way Big Al has been playing in our European games, I think he'll, he'll run him a very close uh, for, the, for the overall award. Um, hopefully they both continue their form into the group stages. Um, in regard to predictions for the group stages, well, our last two games haven't been too impressive in terms of performance. Hopefully they're just blips and I think if we can get off to a good start against Diff at home on Thursday night, you know, I could see us probably maybe taking seven or eight points out of the group. Um, you know, a couple of good results early on and who knows what might happen. Um, we'd all like to dream that we might get into a, uh, get get out of the group. But um, look, it's just great to be there at the moment and, and enjoy it. Um, with regard to our, our friends over in, in Daily Mount, um, I suppose Mr. Lambert will still be in charge of the bee colony, probably producing his own brand of honey next year. Um, and the first team manager I really don't care who gets it uh, hot money at the moment seems to be on Jim Crawford but I think they're probably whoever gets the job there I think is going to have a tough time probably a bit of a thankless task um, and hopefully their playing side goes away their football ground at the moment Hi all how's it going this is Killian McHale here some of you might know me as Tipperary Hoops from Twitter um, firstly thanks very much to Carol and Gary for having me on the podcast today. It's actually my first time on, so I'm looking forward to answering the, the couple of questions here. So firstly, I've actually never been on a European trip. I was hoping to go this year, but just unfortunate work and having to save up for college as a student, it's hard to fit it all in. So hopefully in the future, but not at the moment. Haven't been to any. Um, one Rovers game I regret going to is back in March 2020, the away game to Sligo when we won 3-2 just before COVID. I remember leading the week leading up to it, I was thinking, ah, there's plenty of games this year I'll be able to go to, I won't need to go to this one. Turns out none of us got to go to a game for 16 months after it, so disappointing 
for that to happen, but sure, look, we all know why it happened, so it's understandable. Um, the next question, hoop, do I buy hoop scene? Yes, I do. Rate it out of 10. I rate it out of 10, to be honest, because I think it's a fantastic read. I think it's well worth the money. I know the lads had to increase the, the money this year or the price of it to a fiver purely because the production cost had to go for it and how much it costs to print out every week. But I think it's well worth the fiver. I really do enjoy the article to actually write one myself usually once a week for it. I really enjoy it. It's my first year doing it now and it's uh, something I've wanted to do for a while. So I, I really enjoy reading the other lads like Ryan, Jason, even Carl, all the great stuff they have to say every week in it. Um. Usually I don't get to read it until after the match. I'm so focused on the match I don't actually get to read it when I'm at the stadium. So usually I read it during the weekend or on my trip home to tip after the game on the bus. I'd like to read it on, on the way home. Um, like I said, as in for question four now, I said in question three, I help out with the club with the programmes. Previously, I used to come up with some quizzes for the social media once a week against the our opposition. We we don't do that this year, so I only did that last season. Um, in the future, yeah, I would like to help out with the social media. It's something I am interested in doing in content, providing content. I think the lads do some great work. Connor, Mark and all the rest of the lads do fantastic work. Easily the best media team in the league by a country mile. They do great work between a lot of them. There's a lot of lads involved in the media team, a lot more than people realise. And they all bring different different work to the, the team. So they do a brilliant job between the lot of them. Uh, number five, my player of the year. I'm sure a lot of people are going to have the same answer to me, but Rory Gaffney, he's been absolutely fantastic this year. The work rate he does, both on and off the ball, he's an absolute nightmare to play against. I'm always thinking, Jesus, like I would not like to be marking him any night of the week. You know, he's just causes havoc week on week and see how important he was for our European game so far this year and certainly for the group stage. It'll, he'll be continued to be like that and... Obviously, it was such a big a big end to the season now, so many games coming up in such a short amount of time that, again, no doubt he'll be such an important part to uh, to finish our season out strong. Bonus questions now. Um, in the conference group, I have written down here seven points. I don't know if that's been a bit confident, a bit biased or not, but I reckon, well, I'm hoping, two wins against Jura Gardens, both home and away. be great to start in Thursday now with a win at home. Jura Gardens set us up nicely. Against Ghent, I think we'll struggle. I don't think we'll get anything off them. If we get one, that'll be great at home maybe, but I think they'll be a bit too strong for us. I have written down here one point at home against Molde, hopefully. But uh, that's just hope really than anything else. And finally, um, I think Jim Crawford is going to be in charge of the Bee Colony. <laughs> Taylor Mount next season, um, there's been some rumours last couple of days about him. So I think he is a good manager in fairness. Now. He's done a lot of work with the, the Irish setup over the last couple of years, particularly with the 21s now the last year or two so I think he's the man he's the man for Bowes now next year thanks very much lads cheers how's it going guys uh, Laura Glacken here so to start off I'd have to say my favourite European trip would be Thessaloniki in Greece I want to say back in 2011 maybe uh, probably followed closely by Tallinn in Estonia haven't made it any of the European trips yet this year unfortunately um, I had just started a new job and didn't think it best to be asking for time off on my first week but hoping to make up for it now with the group matches this year so I've already got Ghent booked uh, flying to Amsterdam and then a train to Ghent with a stop in Antwerp and same again coming home 
uh, currently working on Malda with a stopover in Oslo and then hopefully that'll be followed by Deer Gardens. Nothing just yet, but hopefully that'll be next. Uh, horror story trips, I would probably have to say uh, Thessaloniki. Again, when we played poke, it, there was national demonstrations on against austerity. It was transport strikes. We were told a couple of days beforehand that all the flights have been cancelled. Then I think it was the evening before we ended up rebooking them all last minute just to get there and find out that there were special forces everywhere. There was marches on, a few who'd gone ahead of us had been told that they were going to have to stay in their hotels because it wasn't safe in the streets with the special forces out. Uh, it looked like there could be possibility of, uh, I don't know if it was smoke bombs or tear gas. So that was as we arrived and then obviously with transport strikes, uh, we weren't going anywhere. So we were all stuck at the uh, the airport for hours in our own little bubble. But yeah, that was that was an interesting one. Um, best local food in a foreign city again Estonia they had this like little rye bread thing that they brought out sometimes we went for drinks and stuff that was great um, where they had these mad pancakes um, in Tallinn it was like this proper house pancake house or something that was that was an interesting one but yeah I'd say one of those or gyros or kebabs in Greece has to be um, Partizan Belgrade would be a match that I regret missing Um obviously for, for obvious reasons that's definitely a big one that uh if i could go back and do it again i would hoop scene i wouldn't buy it every week now no to be honest i used to buy it religiously um i do still get it now when i see it but not as often as i used to i think it's great value for money and i get great enjoyment out of it uh there's a fantastic combination of everything in it the things that they cover i think is brilliant the interviews that they do the articles that are in it um, I generally, when I do get it, I wouldn't really have a chance to read it until the weekend now. But well, apart from the odd quiz, so we'd uh, we'd attempt to do it at half time. Other than that, now I generally wouldn't get a chance to do it until the weekend. Um, helping the club at the moment, I'm not really doing anything. Unfortunately, I used to do turnstiles back in Tolka, the same in Tallas, sell programs and stuff like that. I always absolutely loved it. Um, I started doing shift work then and wasn't getting weekends off, so. That was the end of that, unfortunately, but I would absolutely always be up for helping out. Thankfully, now I have a nine to five Monday to Friday job, so it doesn't get in the way of fixtures anymore. So, yeah, definitely. I'd always be up for helping out or volunteering any way I can when it comes to the club. I reckon hands down Gaffney is my player of the year at the moment. I just think he's been so consistent. Haven't a bad word to say about him, to be honest. I think he's been absolutely fantastic, not just this season in general. I think he's been fantastic. Uh, I think things particularly this season would have been very different without him as well so yeah it's it's Gaffney for me points in the conference league I would be very hesitant to guess just in case I ended up jinxing us definitely optimistic with the way things have been going so far uh, let's say seven eight points because I don't want to be too optimistic and end up jinxing us uh, I'm going to be completely honest I couldn't even guess who Bowles will have in charge next God only knows at this stage but I'm sure it can only be incredible when they're putting ads up on Twitter. So we shall see. Thanks very much for that, lads. Keep on hooping. Hey, lads. Uh, Willie Conlon here. Thanks for having me on. Um, I know we tried to do this before and I wasn't able to, so I'm delighted to give this a shot for you now. Uh, right, so what was your favourite ever European trip at Rovers? Uh, to be honest, I've only been on one. Um, that was Spurs away in 2011. Um, I think just for various reasons, my own football commitments and work and everything else, I haven't been able to get to any more, but uh, that was a great trip. Uh, took over Covent Garden and then obviously took over White Hart Lane. Um, great memories. And um, yeah, so that was an easy one for me. I'd only been on one, so it's uh, Spurs. Have I done any of the four this year? I haven't. 
Um, so the two in July, Hibernians knew the Gorets. I was actually working in England at the, the Women's Euros for the month of July, so I missed those two. Um, and then the two in August, uh, Scoopy and Ferenc Varos, uh, having been off work in July, I wasn't able to get any time off in August, so, so I didn't get to those ones either for, for those reasons. Um, but uh, I am going to, so the next question, I am going to uh, group stage game, I'm going to Ghent. Um, my route, route's a little bit convoluted actually, uh, I have, I've also got, as well as a season ticket at Rovers, I've got a season ticket at Celtic, um, and I'm going to see Celtic on the Wednesday night in Warsaw, in the Champions League against Shakhtar Donetsk. So I'll be going from, on, on the Thursday morning of our match, um, of an early morning flight from Warsaw to Vienna, and then Vienna on to, to Brussels, and then I'm on one of the 50s buses then from Brussels to Ghent. So a little bit around the world, but um, we do what we need to do. Have I had a travel mishap or horror story with Rovers? Um, well, as I said, I've only been on one European trip and it was it was perfect. Um, I, I was When I was involved with Rovers years ago, uh, we travelled to the States with our under-18, under-19 team um, to the Dallas Cup. And I know we were connecting in, I think, Chicago. And one of our one of our goalkeepers at the time left his passport in the seat back in front of him, and we copped it after we were we were off the flight. So the lads went to try and sort it out, and it, by the time uh, they got to the desk or whatever, they, they'd already moved the aircraft to a different stand and it was gone. So, a um, bit of a panic, uh, but he eventually the, the the airline found his passport and credited it to Team Hotel. So, um, so what was good in the end, but that's probably as close as, as I've come to having a mishap, I guess. Best local food you went in a foreign city? Um, well, I'm in Glasgow at the moment. Um, I'm a big fan of haggis. I have to say, if you haven't tried it, it's kind of it's kind of like white pudding, I guess. Um, but really good. Big fan of haggis. Um, I guess the other, I'd say biltong as well. I've had in South Africa. It's kind of like a dried beef. I guess like kind of a beef jerky type of thing. So not everybody's taste, but but I'm a big fan. Um, I think you can get it in Ireland now, actually. So I'd, I'd, I'd recommend people to give that a go. It's called Biltong. Really good. Uh, what's the one Rovers game you regret not going to? I'd say probably, um, whether it's regret or not, because I was never planning to go, I'd say, looking back, probably Belgrade. Um, I think a lot of people would probably say the same thing, purely because it's such a historic night uh, for the club and for, for the league, I guess, and for football in this country. Um yeah, that'd be the one. As I said, whether <coughs> whether it be a regret or not, I don't know. But definitely would love to be at it. I actually remember the night I was I was involved with Rovers Nineteens at the time, and we uh, our manager at the time actually organised a friendly against Fairhouse Clovers Leicester Senior League team uh, directly opposite the the, the 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 Rovers match at Belgrade. I remember we had a couple of uh, conversations about it and. Let's just say he was less than confident of our chances at Belgrade, and he just went ahead with the friendly. But it's it's probably the quickest. I've left the dressing room after a match. I packed up all my stuff just just as we were wrapping up half time. Everything was in my car, so I literally got to the dressing room after the match, made sure everything was okay, and jumped in the car and was gone. I was first one out, and normally last out of the dressing room, but yeah, I got back to. Lucky the match was in Fairhouse, and I was living in Tallah, so I got back in time to see all the important parts of that match. But yeah, that's probably the one, Belgrade. Do you buy hoops in every week? Uh, I don't. No particular reason why I don't. Um, I've boxes and boxes of match programs at home from over the years. Rovers, Celtic, Ireland, you know, any games I've been to. Um, and they just kept building up and building up. And I just got to the point where I just said, this has to stop. So I just, I just don't buy programs anymore. It's not it's not just a Rovers thing. It's it's any matches I go to. I just don't pick up uh, match programs anymore. 
I know there was some talk in the last season or two of maybe putting the program online. Um, if that was ever explored and it was it was something that would be um, cost efficient for the club to do, I'd probably subscribe to that uh, and read them online. But yeah, and, um, yeah, that's 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 a no from me. Um, is there any way you help the club unofficially? If not, is there all? Um, if buying a season ticket counts as supporting the club unofficially, then then yeah, that's that's it. Um, for me, it's it's been great this year that I've been able to, I've been able to get back and be a fan again and and, and buy a season ticket. Um, I was involved with another league league of Ireland club up until the end of last season last November. So, um, big buzz for me this year to be able to buy a season ticket again and I'll be back at games as a supporter. So, look if that counts as supporting the, as uh, helping the club unofficially, then then that'd be it. Um, is there a role or something you'd like to do one day? If there was a role, and and the, you know, I'd always be willing to help the club out. Of course, I'm a Rovers fan, and you know, um, there isn't a particular role, but yeah, obviously, we, we'd always want to help the club out. Uh, who's your player of the year at the moment? A little bit torn on this one. Um, I think probably a lot of people are going to go with Rory Gaffney, and I think he'll probably get it. To be honest, um, I think he's been excellent for us. Um, surprised a lot of people, I would think as well, but he's he's been he's been top class. Um. I say I'm torn because I've always been a big, big fan of Andy Lyons over the years. Um, you know, I've seen him play for a long time and always thought he could do a really good job here. Uh, and I was always one that I would, I would, you know, hope to have been at the club and that we could maybe got him. I, I never thought we could because of, you know, the connections he would have had with his previous club and, and he'd have been there a long time. So um, I always felt it was one that we probably wouldn't pull off. <clears throat> and I think we're really lucky to have got him this year and to be able to have enjoyed him and, and watch him play. He's got to be remembered for his goals because he's in a new position. Um, but he does an awful lot more than that. And if you watch him, the work he does off the ball is, is top class. So, so you know, he'll probably get my vote, Andy Lyons, but uh, I do think Rory Gaffney's probably going to get it. Um, goals tend to do that. Uh, bonus questions. Uh, how many points do we get in the conference group? I'm not going to try and put a number on it. I, I'm, I'm somewhat confident that there's points there for us. Um you know, I've seen us play in Europe this year. I think we've matured as a, as a group and as a team. We think we're we're really really good. You look at the Ferenc Varos game at home, for example. We managed that game so well, and um, I think tactically we've, we we just got it spot on. And I think we just have more about us now than we have done in previous years. You know, I think we've got a, a really good chance of picking up points in this group. Uh, put it this way, I'll be very disappointed if we don't. Um, I'm not going to try and put a number on it though. Uh, but I do think we're 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 going to do okay. Um. He'll be in charge. To be honest with you, I don't really care what happens in Daily Mount. Um, and I've been genuine about that. Um, you know they're just another club in this league, and the only club I'm interested in now that I'm not working for any other clubs is is Rovers. Um, so so yeah, I don't really care what happens in Daily Mount. Um, we have to look at us. I think we're in a really good place now. I think we're miles ahead of everybody else. You're going to get blips like what happened on Friday night. This 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 happens, and we're going to be stretched now with a lot of games coming up. Um. And you know when you're when you're fighting in so many competitions, these things happen. But yeah, um, I think we have to look at ourselves and uh, and what we're doing. And uh, so I really have no interest in in what's happening in uh, in daily mounts. So that's it for me. Um, keep on helping and see us on Thursday. Hi, it's Bill Gleeson here. Uh, my favourite ever European trip at Rovers was Juventus. Uh, it always been a dream of mine uh, for Rovers to be kind of matched up against proper European aristocrats and uh, you know this was really it uh, we were I thought we were 
competitive on the pitch. The rain kind of made a joke for it, but the day itself, Jesus, unbelievable in the piazza, you know, drink. <laughs> Jesus, you know, just smiling, thinking about it. Uh, such an amazing day, a great fun. And, you know, result, very, very respectable. That's always where I want Rovers to be. Uh, didn't do any of the four trips this year. As uh, a combination of being holidays, something too hard to get to as well. Going to Ghent with the family. Uh, can't wait for that. Really looking forward to it. They all are. Uh, it's Dermot, my middle lad. He's been to Milad Boleslav. The other two lads haven't been to Europe in a way. Um, but uh, we're all going to go with this one. Can't wait. In and out of Brussels. Nice and simple. Uh, travel mishaps. Yes. Um, early adopter with travel mishaps. I fucked up going to Gornick Zabsbury. We got to Prague. And then we got a bus to Bruno. I think we changed bus or to change train or some fucking thing like so long ago and ended up in Bratislava there you are in Slovakia and um, a bit more recently uh, after Copenhagen myself and Cody John Cody were sharing a room and uh, after a night out in the town got the train back uh, to the hotel Kind of missed the stop, woke up, weren't really sure where we were. And by the time we figured it out, turned out we were in Malmo in Sweden. So we'd gone across the Orisone Bridge and, um, yeah, uh, passport inspectors were making fun of us on the way back. So there's nothing new there, Daniel Fulham, uh, except uh, obviously we got off a bit more lightly than you did. Um, best local food in this foreign city, ooh, I had bolognese in... Bologna after uh, after Juventus Modena, but it wasn't amazing. I'm going to go with the Schwarmers in Copenhagen. I think they were absolutely they were very good, uh, good soakage anyway. Um, in terms of games, I regret not being to not too many. I wouldn't think. Uh, I don't think. I would like to go to Belgrade, I suppose. Um, but probably the last game, Milton. I think that would have been. Uh, that's something, because uh, I was going to Milton at that stage, not very regularly, uh, just on and off. Um, but I think that would have been um, something I'd just like to have me memories that uh, I don't have. Um, I buy the programme every week. I love it. I think it's it's first class. The the content, the effort that goes into it, the the depth in the articles, absolutely. for And particularly the series that they're doing this year on the RDS times, because the RDS was my jam. That's, you know really cemented my love affair rovers um loved everything about the rds years uh apart from there wasn't enough of them and uh but i don't typically read the program until maybe a day or two after the game so i don't know maybe you know maybe there's a way of pushing articles out sooner or something like that but you know fabulous value i'll continue by the program so yeah i uh do a bit of work with the club uh junior hoops i've been involved with for a number of years now um one of the loves of my life uh just uh bringing new new fans along to uh along to the club uh we also do bits and pieces um in a uh incompetent tech capacity uh with the club so uh if the website's broken it's probably me doing something um Player of the Year at the moment is my Player of the Year for eight of the last ten years. Ronan Finn, my favourite ever Rovers player. 
and uh, I'm not going to accept any questions or uh, points of order on that one. Um, predictions for the group stages. Um, always super optimistic uh, before a ball is kicked. So I'm going to go three home wins and two draws. So it's at 11 points. Get out the group and uh, we'll take all comers in the uh, in the knockout stages. Um, I'd like Dave Tilson. Um to be in charge of the bee colony next year. I had a point with him earlier. He's a lovely fella, despite being a boss uh, fucker. But, um, and the manager will be um, Desser, Pender, I think it's uh, makes sense. I think uh, they'll probably try and do, they'll mimic what we've done. And a couple of years time, they'll find out it needs cash and there'll be a lot of massive U-turns around um, uh, oligarchs and billionaires and that kind of caper anyway thanks for having us on enjoy the show some great stuff there dave carpenter seafood enthusiast you know what? I knew man he, of my own i knew heart. he'd be a food connoisseur yeah you can tell bit of you know glass of wine on the a little dip in the med uh, uh laura liked her talon pancakes yes 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 willie conlon aka pico that was mad scary 15 seconds in, I was like, why has Pico sent me a voicemail? Oh, ridiculous. I sent, I sent it to you and you were like, oh. <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Bill Gleason, away day sleeper and uh, train enthusiast. I actually didn't know he was on that train. I thought that was Cody himself. Because, <laughs> because I, up in Malmo. I interviewed Cody in the program and I asked Bill, I said, can you give me some questions to ask him? He said, ask him about that train going to Copenhagen. Not realizing that they were together in it, but uh, yeah, I love I love that story. Brilliant stuff from great memories from the guys. Uh, yeah, Willie Condon was actually the Longford masseuse for many years there. I asked that mom before. I was I was a bit cheeky to be honest. Do you remember that hotline where it was just before we played Longford, and one of the questions was sum up Longford in one word, oh. and he was still employed by them. Yeah, kind of my boss. And uh-huh. he was like, I don't blame him for uh, saying no to that one, but uh, it was good to have him on this time. Yeah, so he's a back as a season ticket holder. So great to hear. And Killian McHale, Tipperary Hoops making his debut. He yeah, was, he was delighted to be on the show. Making so. his European debut as well. Am I right? Did he say he was gone? He's, he's not doing the, his best. He's, he's struggling with student fees. But uh, he says he wants to go at some stage. Yeah. Congratulations to the Hoops Trio, Alan Manis, Andy Lyons and Rory Gaffney who were nominated for the SSE Airtricity SWI Player of the Month award for August. And as it stands now, uh, Rory or Andy Lyons took it home. I'll be honest, I'm surprised. Not even the best Rovers player, so in my opinion, this season or this this well, month. So I, I had to, I, before we recorded there, I went back and checked. Lyon scored five goals in the month of April. Mm. He was the best player in the league, probably by some distance that month. How he didn't win, I don't know. And then we come to August, and he wins the award, and all Rovers fans are like, "What? Really? <laughs> yeah, I think maybe the the move pushed it." What over are they mind. doing up there? I don't know. And this is the fourth consecutive month that Gaffney's been nominated. He'll, so, get it. He'll, get it. He'll get it in the final month, right? How can you be nominated four straight times but not win one? I know, yeah. Always the bridesmaid. Um, Alamannis won the close player of the month award. Well deserved. He's had a brilliant month. Um, Padre Pio versus Scoopy won the goals. Uh, won the club's goal of the month for August. 73% landslide. So Gary O'Neill absolutely belting home the 3 1 uh, winner in uh, Tallaght in front of the South Stand. Get to landslide. Uh, group stage ticket bundle and the reaction. Can we skim this one? <laughs> uh, we'll just, yeah, we'll be brief. I think our, our, my thoughts on it are 
club has been very, very good to us as regards to membership fees, um, benefits, season ticket prices. Excellent, excellent season Especially ticket prices. Kids' prices. Kids. They're, they're brilliant. I bought three season tickets and I think I paid €75 Euro for them for my kids. Unbelievable memories. Brilliant, brilliant value. I think it's time to make a few quid. You're not you're not gouging the fans. I, I hate that I hate that word. These are one off occasions. One off occasions that has happened. Although we want to be back here next year. This has again, happened twice in how well, our, our long our long long history. Twice it's happened with qualifying mm-hmm. group stages. Um, you're you're at a Europa League game. There's more costs involved. A Conference League game. There's more costs mm-hmm. involved. We have to upgrade. You can't even use the car park. The suite's not even in there in 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 use. There's a lot more. Uh, money involved in running these games than there actually is with regular games. You ha- we have to charge a little bit more. The bundles were great value. I'm I'm not mad at the club for charging these prices. We are. It's time to take off the diaper or the nappy and be a big boy now. It's a big boy club, as Bill Gleeson <laughs> would say. We have to be a big boy club, allocated mm-hmm. seating. That's the way we're going forward. That was now. a UEFA requirement, actually. It's listen. It's the way forward to become the next step, as we have been doing, progressing gradually. Getting above with a be- with a better stadium, with better ethos involved with the club, we have to be able to do this and be able to seem to be compete off the pitch as well. In particular, with these rules and regulations that are set down for us to be involved in this competition, so I'm not too bad at the club about it at all. I think they've been brilliant. Yeah. So the bundle of three went on sale, and the single match went on sale on Monday. So you could, if you just wanted to go to your garden on. Uh, Thursday and great detective work by Gar Brennan. Uh, he pointed out that we're actually selling the cheapest tickets of anyone in our group. So there you go. In saying that, I bought five tickets for hundred quid for Ghent away, but that twenty euro for category two, twenty for category twenty five for category one, but that's only two hundred people. So what's that? The prawn sandwiches sort of areas. Right, the prawn sandwich. Yeah. Uh, so I think I paid. It was a hundred quid for Ghent overall for five tickets and then you'd have the prawn sandwich guys who are up in the echelons above us but when you think about what's going on as an overall factor at Rovers it's 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 well worth the money you really are like buying you're watching history realistically and let's make a few quid out of it like we need to progress to the next level we really really do I think f- f- price wise it's fair I think it is fair enough Fair enough. It's it's kind of tough when they come at you all at once because I was looking at it because I had to I'm looking at buying three bundles for five people. This is back to school month. Yeah, now, back to school month hit me hit me hard. <laughs> so I'm looking iPads and everything, and I'm looking at the bundles. And I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, can I can I skip a mortgage month? Can the dog <laughs> pay it this month? But it's listen. If you can't do it, you can't do it. But do your best. Like Ray Wheel had said on the show before, do your best to get the European games away. Do your best to get to these conference games. You're, you'll regret it um, yeah so that is it we'll move on for this one Prof Weege. Uh Craig Matten he said he's been watching our Ocean Electrical uh, Dawn he said he's been watching the Arsenal documentary on Amazon and I have to say it's one of the better ones the parallels between Bradley and Arteta are striking young manager off to a poxy club start with him and it's come good how else to remember um, I have to remember Bradley grew up in the Arsenal ethos now can we say that ok just clear over there off to a poxy start yeah Club stuck with them. You said off to epoxy club. Off to epoxy, yeah, yeah, you know. I've, I think I've had the sangria there. Now he's full of sangria there because he's off <laughs> celebrating his birthday. He's a happy birthday to Craig Matten. So sangria filled posts. Uh, Aussie Nate sitting at home in Tala, finger on the pulse as always. Texas, the night the Ireland women 
beat Finland. Something just happened in the stadium. Who's playing? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on there. Fucking roll it. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, we love you, Nate. We love you. Um, yeah, so. Academy results, Prof. Academy results from the weekend. We are going to get our Twitter feed loaded up here. And this is the SRFC Rovers Academy. We have a 2-0 win for the 19s versus UCD at home. And we have a 1-0 loss for the ladies on the 19s against DLR Waves. We have a 3-1 win for the Rovers boys against uh, Treaty. And we have a 6-4 loss for the ladies, Waterford, at home. And we have a 5-3 win away to Cork City on the 14s. What a tonker of a game that was, Prof. Absolute chonker. And like we said, Victor got got a good 35 minutes into him in that 19th match. And uh, didn't look half bad by all accounts. It's obviously his first game, so we won't make any judgments. But so we will eagerly be watching him to see how he No judgment, on. but he will be amazing! Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. best foreign signing ever! No pressure at all. Up there, like, and don't forget, Twiggy's a foreign signing as he well. He will bro. score a Rowan Rickus-like goal from 35 yards that wins us the league. And we will chant his name. Can- now you have to remember this what are we on I'm going to look how many minutes we're in I'm going to replay this over and over or he will make two sub appearances and never we'll never see him again <laughs> and then one, be one of the two and play for <laughs> at law yeah. uh, we've been drawn to play AZ Alkmaar in the UEFA uh, Youth League first round the first leg is due to take place in the Netherlands on the 14th of September with the return leg in Dublin <laughs> on the 5th of November so if you are in on the 14th of September which is the day we arrive in the Ghent a little 3 hour 6 3 hour 1 way to 6 hour return you can head up to Alkmaar and catch the hoop so I'm hoping that their families are going to his game and then they'll take the hoops game in on the Thursday you know what I mean makes yeah. sense wouldn't they make a little uh, an occasion out of it uh, Robbo and uh, Aidan Price actually represented the club in France for that draw I wasn't aware of that until I read that on Twitter thought that was cool very very cool um, um, should we progress to the fourth round we will play the winners of Ammonia and uh, Servina Zvidja um, that's that's Red Star isn't it Servina Zvidja yeah yeah they Red, played Red, Pats Red last Star year in, they played Pats last year Palamoyan was coaching the 19s said they were very good when he went over Claire Bourne did a feature on the Yellow White Tuesday morning and uh, on the Yellow White on Tuesday morning and Mick McCarthy was livid no invitation. Livid. His fa- his, his favourite, favourite presenter. Um, uh, I wonder how he feels about it, actually. I wonder if he did he enjoy it. <laughs> um, we've not heard this ourselves now, but just just any time I hear Claire, Claire Burns' name mentioned, I just think <laughs> Mick McCarthy. Uh, we should mention as well, Todd Bazunio has been included in Robert's UEFA Youth League squad. He's 14... The younger brother of Gavin, and of course he's a goalkeeper. There's a lot of young guys included on it. Um, young Roachy's young young guy, and James Roachy's included. He's only fourteen. There's a lot of young guys who are going to be really, really excited to get involved in this uh, Champions League youth tournament. So congratulations to all the lads, and good luck, especially. This is Carol here with a post fifties edit, and uh, we forgot to do the Glenmalore sele- uh, section. So I'm going to insert it in here now. This is sent in by Woolly as usual. And he says, Glenmalore played two games in quick succession last week with two differing results. On Wednesday against Teldoct, the lads suffered a 1-0 defeat in Walkerstown Park. The visitors started much the brighter and were energetic across the middle third. However, 
they struggled to convert their advantage into goals. Some half-time changes by management saw Glemelor wake up in the second half, but they fell behind from a well-taken goal by Tewlicht. This shocked the lads into further life with Paul Lynch and Josh Quigley going close from Derek Henny crosses. The game was hard but fair, with both teams defending stoutly. In the end, the well-organised Tewlicht defence refused to see their lead, and they won a hard-fought three points. On Saturday, Glemelor faced up to Taddy United with key player Ryan Hyland back in the squad. Hurt by the tough loss only days before, the team started from the off and put Tada under huge pressure. Hyland breaking down the wings gave Tada all sorts of headaches and James Wall's runs at number 9 stretched their defence. Any Tada breakaway moves were mopped up by Shane Hanrahan who put in a performance to rival Angola Kante. The fast and furious start was rewarded by a Shane McCarthy goal. Despite peppering the Tada goal, the bare minimum only separated the team at half time. More chances followed the restart, but Tada repelled all advanced until James Wall arrived onto the end of a Derrick Henry cross and headed home for 2 0. Glimmerlore ran out 2 0 winners, with the team happy with the win but hungry for more goals and more wins. The lads made the trip across the Liffey to play Drumcondra AFC in Albert College this Saturday at 11 am. Support would be very welcome on the day. Um, with the Ruddy Buzz.ie article. Bohemians is a club that is now too political. New manager needs to make silverware a priority. Somewhere along the way, Bowes forgot that being a successful football club has to be the primary objective. Ooh. Not the first time he's written an article he like said, this. I thought I was reading the same one. Yeah. But he's, he's obviously he's obviously <laughs> has an issue with it. Keep it coming though, I love these. Yeah, Ruddy. Uh, I love the line, uh, Bowes fans have been hoodwinked the last 12 years. Yeah, and I think I think another one was, he's had countless Bowes fans ask him to take the job. <laughs> giant N, followed by another <laughs> giant H. Countless Bowes. What's, what's his missing name again? Sharon? Linda? Or whatever it was. Because he always goes on as her being yeah. the, the, the boss. He'd be like, I... Block them off me phone, will you? I heard that block them off. <laughs> they me keep phone. bringing me. They to come keep back. bringing me to come back. They keep telling me about how I beat the Germans in Aberdeen in yeah, 2000. Yeah, yeah. Keep talking about the six four massacre. If you read every Roddy article, somehow he works in uh, the win in Germany and Aberdeen every time. Like it, do- it makes no sense sometimes how he shoehorns it in. Always mentions it, and it cracks me up every time. Could be on some cooking show. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of making an omelette. Reminds me of Germany. <laughs> Did I ever tell you? We won one, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, so we're prop for coming up now. It's the quiz. Oh yeah. Oh, hang on, better set me timer now. It's two minutes now. Prof. Two, two minutes. Prof wants to smoke. Um, I don't think there's any particularly long questions now. Right, okay, we're going for but, it. But uh, are you ready? So three. I'm going to go off my timer here. It says three, but I'll go for yeah. two. Three, ready? two, one, go. Go. Okay, what was the name of the stadium where Rowers played Dior Garden or Jordans in the 2002 UEFA Cup? Ah, prof, come on, what, what's it's a famous stadium? Rasunda, Stockholm, St. Arena, National Arena, Stadion. Pele played there. Um, oh, National Arena. No, Rasunda, I'd never heard of it. Uh, which former Swedish international scored in his European debut at Tolka Park in that toy? Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kim Karlstrom, Tobias Linderoth, Anders Svensson, Haspi Kim Karlstrom. You tried to get him on the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. What was the name of the stadium where Rovers played AIK in the 2018 UEFA Europa League? National Arena, Rasunda Stadion, Stockholm Arena? Friends Arena. I oh, know that's the sponsor though. Oh, prof. <laughs> oh, Stockholm Arena. National Arena. Yes. 
because it was where Sweden play. Which hoops goalkeeper sat on the bench for both legs at that toy? Alamanis, Tomar Kanchinski, Kevin Horgan, and Gavin Bazuna. Bazuna played in AIK. Kanchinski was gone. Alam- I've got to say Kevin Horgan. No! Alamanis! <laughs> can't believe you got that. One of these players has not scored in three different competitions this season. One of these players has not scored in three different competitions. Rory Gaffney, Andy Lyons, Ronald Finn, Oidon Maku has not scored. Finner scored his fourth in Europe, so that's him out. Oidon Maku scored in three. Gaffney. Lyons! No! Ronald Finn! Oh. Finn scored in the Presidents Cup in the How Champions League. How many of Andy Lyons' eight goals this season have been scored at Tallis Stadium? Zero or one. He's only scored one recently. One. Yes. Yep. True or false? Dreddy United beat Rovers last season. Ooh, false. Yes. Not bad. Which club knocked Rovers out of 2011? Oh, 20 seconds. Which club knocked Rovers out of 2011 FAO Cup? Derry, Sligo, Shelbourne, Pats. 2011, 2011, 2011. Sligo away. Limp 1-0. Yes. Which striker caused an international controversy by moving from Blackpool to Shamrock Rovers in 1946? Ah, bro, fuck off. <laughs> Tommy Lawton, Jock Dodds, McIntosh, Dix, fucking Jock McIntosh. <laughs> Now carry on again. Oh, fourth to carry on. I'm gonna see. Run, 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 run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even answer that one. You started, so you'll finish. Uh, Gary O'Neill began a senior career Port Vale haven't played for which current Premier League club at youth level West Ham Forest Villa Wolves I picked Forest so you would have got Wolves wrong, I had no idea he was even I didn't know <laughs> that went into gibberish at the end you said Jock Jock McIntyre it was, Jock, I saw McIntyre goes fucking Scotsman it was Jock Dodds yeah, uh, um, yeah so what did I get four I think I got four no, I said five, dude. Five, yeah, solid five, solid five. But the 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 one about not scoring three competitions. A few people have been bamboozled oh, by that I was, one. I, it was it was like uh, it was going around my mind. I was like, I don't understand this question. What's going on? See, a few people like they're not picking Finn, and then they see the answers Finn, and they're like, Oh no, hang on, he, didn't he score in the Presidents Cup? I'm like, Yeah, he scored in the Champions League, no. and the Presidents Cup, but not, not the, the league. league. Ah. The other three have scored in the league, cup, and Europe. Fuck's sake! Tricky, t- typical prof. Typical prof. It was a bit of a ponderer, but a ponderer. Um, yes. So that was that. And we're going to the Tiffany's hotline now. Part two. We have Scotty Kirwan, Stephen Tyrrell, aka Kim Jong Un, Paul Dunster, Donahue, David Hanley, and Justin Mason, the Memory Man. Yellow. Hi, uh, Scott Kerwin here. Uh, first time on the hotline, and thank you to the lads for inviting me. Straight in, what was your favourite European trip at Rovers? Well, James have been busy raising a family. I've only ever been on four European trips so far. Stockholm 2002, Modena 2010, and Copenhagen and London in 2011. Uh, a couple of them are only one-day charter flights, so you're just in and out and not, not much time to savour the experience. My first and my last were special. We stayed over for a couple of days in Stockholm and went around visiting lots of football grounds and shops while we were there. It was a really good, enjoyable experience. Um, Anybody who knows me knows that Tottenham are my favourite English team, so drawing them in the Europa League in 2011 was a special, if somewhat surreal experience. To be in the South Sand and Wired Lane as a way... an away fan for once screaming abuse at Tottenham fans was just weird. Um, have I done any of the four this year? No. Um, 
would have loved to have gone to Malta, but there was this uncertainty around flights at the time really put me off. And for Frank Forrest, um, I was away in Scotland. Am I going to any away um, group side matches on one of my routes? Yeah, I've booked Ghent for next week. I'm flying to Dublin, Dublin to Brussels on the Wednesday at stupid o'clock and getting the Tifties bus on arrival. I'm flying back the same route on the Friday morning. I'm hoping to try and book at least one, if not both, of the other two matches, but haven't done it yet. I'd love to go back to Stockholm 20 years on. Have you ever had a travel mishap? Okay. When I booked London in 2011, I booked late, so I had to go on different flights to my mates. So I was flying home alone. I was flying back from Heathrow, I think it was the day after, and got there and was looking for some breakfast. I was in a queue in the cafe and the power went down in the entire airport. I was then stuck with it. Dilemma of balancing eating and making my flight. Anybody who knows me knows I like my food. They wouldn't take any money because the tails were off, so I waited and waited, keeping an eye on the clock. I was actually reasonably fit in those days, so I ended up waiting for the tails to come back on and end up sprinting across the airport just in time to join the last of the queue boarding the plane. Apart from that, there used to be the frequently hilarious sight to my mates of me running down the keys on a Friday afternoon. After being laid out of work as usual and often flagging the bus which had just taken off. There wasn't many mobile phones in those days. Um, best local food? None really just been to mind with Rovers. I love my food and love trying something new. I've really enjoyed paella at matches in Spain and likewise um, Girosh and Suvlaki in Greece. The seafood in Barbados was also amazing. One Rovers match I regret not going to. Um, it was the one I was never going to go to, but the pang of jealousy of not being one of the 43 in Belgrade has always stuck with me. Do I buy hoops in um, on a rating out of 10? Yes, it's good value for money. Although I buy it, I don't always read it as much as I should. I like how Robert and Carl try to make it as diverse as possible, to try and make it appeal to as broad an audience as possible. Mark out of 10, 9 out of 10. You can never give anything 10 out of 10. There's always room for improvement. Um, anyway, helping the club unofficially, well, I'm a season ticket holder since 2007, so I like to think that's helping the club in some way. My daughter is now a junior season ticket holder for the last few seasons too. I'm hoping to finally be in a financial position next year to become a member for the first time. I've done my part over the years. I've served on supporters club committees, worked in several club shops, sold programmes and have been to, uh, a contributor to the programme on and off several times over the years. Who is player of the year? There's been lots of players played well in spells or had injuries. I think the three most serious candidates for the award are Manus, Hoare and Gaffney. I think for the sheer work rate and selflessness, it must be Gaffney. Um, the bonus question. Predictions. My heart would love to say ten, 10 points. Three home wins and a draw in Sweden. My head says six maybe. A win at home this week and draws in the other two home games and a draw in Sweden. It's hard to know, but our performance on Thursday will set the tone for the entire group stage. Who will be in charge of the bees and who in charge of bowls next season? Well, for me, the the ideal candidate for beekeeper for bowls would be the scruffy poet John Con John Cummins. His name is Cummins. Um, <clears throat> he he would definitely be the most likely candidate for the beekeeper. As for the manager, hmm, I was getting my haircut last week and this random dude noticed my Rovers top and started chatting to me. He claimed to be friends of several coaches at Rovers and said that he had heard that Jim Crawford has been lined up as the Bowes manager for next season apparently. 
read into that what you will. Right, thanks guys for again for letting me have this opportunity and KOH, keep on hooping. How's it going, lads? Uh, Stephen Towell here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my favourite European trip was when my first one was uh, Malta. Um, had a great time, even though I died after the first two days. Well, yeah, I was wrote off. Um, well, I won't be heading any of the away games for the group stages. I couldn't get the time off work, so I'll just have to sit in the pub and watch them. Uh, no, we didn't really have any uh, travel mishaps. It was just going to the layovers in the Luton Airport now, uh, torture. It was uh, horrible. Then um, the, the only field we had over Malta was the kebabs. Still had to know about them, just around the corner from the Alexander Hotel. Things were gorgeous. Um, no, I haven't gotten the uh, match day program now in a long time. Uh, I used to get them when I was uh, younger. I have, I kept the good look. I've I kept them all now with a good few. We haven't gotten now in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, they, give the club a hand now. If they're looking for a water boy on match day, give me a show. Yeah, I think it would be great now. <laughs> um, the uh, player of the year at the moment would have to be Robbie Gaffney. I think he's just been immense. He's uh. Every game now, he's just he's always putting in a hundred percent, playing great for us this year. You know, um, we reckon now we could. I reckon we could get seven points out of the group. Uh, reckon now we've been very strong at home in Europe this this season. So, would be uh, I reckon this is seven points now. Could we, we could get that? And uh, I'm having a clue who Batwells is getting out for the manager next season. God knows how they get. Some mad hippie or something. But, uh, Nandy lads, thanks for having me on. Cheers. Hey lads, Dulce here. Thanks for calling me into the TST hotline. Uh, first off, favourite Euro trip? Definitely Belgrade. Um, see, historic night for the football club, historic night for Irish football. Um, just to be there, it's such a hostile atmosphere. See Rovers win against the odds. It's just amazing. Something that'll live with me forever. Um, this year, I've been a three or the four trips I didn't make it to Macedonia. I've been in Malta, was in Razgrad and was in Budapest. So uh good trips so far. So uh group stages of all three booked. Um for Gents going through Eindhoven. Still to figure out how to get back and forth from Eindhoven but we we'll find a way for Malta flying through Oslo with SAS and then for Joe Garden and going through Frankfurt with Lufthansa. So uh, everything, everything booked and ready to go. Lucky so far that I've had no real mishaps in Europe. Um, uh, got pulled for extra security in Ben Gurion was a bit scary. Um, nothing too crazy. And then Pauk was close enough with the strike, but that never came came about. And uh, even at that, we had. Dave Cairns bought some Sophia as a backup, so been good so far. So hope I'm not jinxing myself. Um, food, definitely best I've had so far is had a mixed grill in Belgrade the night before the game. It was amazing. Just a big plate of meat and then loads of extras of potatoes, grilled peppers and everything. It was amazing. Yeah, I had one in Razgrad this year, came close. It was really, really good. And then um, rabbit stew and malt, it was amazing as well. But uh, that, that mixed grill in Belgrade was hard to beat. 
terms of game I've missed that I've regretted. Um, Harps away, I think it was 2006, and Podge scored his first goal. Oops, I see he didn't run a bus uh, for whatever reason. I couldn't make it up, so obviously good I didn't make that one. I'd love to see Podge's first goal for the club. In terms of the programme, it's kind of a solid 7 out of 10. I find it always good value for money. Um, I do tend to like the fan stuff about fans, stuff like interviews with fans, or particularly this time of year, stuff around um, Euro trips, people's experiences in Europe. I always find that amazing. Then I always kind of like the academy stuff as well, kind of catching up with what's happening in the underage teams. Um, generally, I'll have a kind of flick through it on the night, but generally sit down and read it the next day. It's kind of hard to say where they can improve it, but it's a solid 7 out of 10. You're never going to please everyone. So, I'm happy with how it is. Um, in terms of helping the club, I'm actually just back from Tala where I was commentating on the live stream for the under-19s game. So helping out with SRFC TV, something I've done over the years. Um, I've written for the programme kind of during the, the first time we had the um, B team. I did the press box, looked after the, the announcements, the scoreboard, all that kind of stuff. Outside the club, I've involved in the Hoops SC, running buses for years. I've, been involved in the ultras and also um kind of written for the fans in so for the and if i should falter so i always like to dip my toe in and see what i can help with um player of the year so far um couple of, but i have to say it's alan manis i think alan manis has just been the standout player pretty all year round so a lot of people have probably written him off but i just think this year has been his best season ever with the club he's just found a new lease of life particularly in Europe, I think he's been absolutely amazing. So, honourable mention, maybe the Gaffney and Andy Lyons, who both had a huge impact, but I just can't see past Alan Manis. He's been amazing. Um, hope I'm not making myself a host, hostage to fortune here, but I think we might pick, pick up five points. I think we might get a win and a couple of draws. I think it's, a, if you look at the results over the weekend, like kind of Malda beating Boda Glimt, probably... They are three tough games we have, like, but I fancy us maybe to pick up a couple of points, so I'm going with five. And in terms of what's happening at Balls, who's going to be looking after the Bs, um, considering their aversion to millionaires, billionaires, I don't think it's going to be Mr. Burns. So it's going to be a tough role to fill there. The manager, I've, outside I'm going to think Vinnie Pert, um, if they don't manage to get, who's this, I can't remember who they're saying that they're, they're they're hoping to get from the in from the FAI, but if they don't get him, oh Jim Crawford, sorry it was. If they don't get Crawford, maybe Finney Pert's an outside chance. Not many other people around. I can't see Buck out taking it, so Finney Pert for me. So that's it, lads. Uh, thanks for asking me to call in and keep on hoping. Hi lads, David Hanley here. So first question: favorite ever European away trip? Your Gardens in two thousand and two. Brilliant trip. Made friends on a trip that I'm still friends with today. And yeah, I'd recommend anybody who's. I recommend it to anybody who's going in November. Unfortunately, I can't, but uh, I will be going to Norway, which I'll touch on later on. Have I done any of the four this year? No, I had planned to go to Macedonia, but couldn't travel in the end as the date clashed with a prior engagement that I had. Am I going to any of the three? I am. I'm going to Norway in October, over via Copenhagen and home via Oslo. Any travel mishaps or horror story? Uh, I wouldn't say a mishap or Well, I'd say Modena was a horror story in terms of the weather. Uh, I was absolutely soaked that day. I've never been as wet at a match in my entire life. Best local food I ate? No, I haven't because I'm very picky with my food and I would generally only go for stuff that you that you could get over here. So, uh, no, I haven't. 
best was the one Rovers game I regret not going to uh, Belgrade purely for what was at stake I, uh, I'm i very envious of the people that were there the, the few of them do a buy hoop scene every week I do it's a great art it's a great um, pr- um, production and I would recommend a 10 out of 10 for all the articles uh, Robert and Carl really do a great job with that is there any way I help the club unofficially? I volunteer for the club. I do the ADC and the match day operations, which could be anything from turnstiles to helping with ticket sales, etc. Player of the year at the club this year. Uh, player of the year at the moment. I'd say it's between Rory Gaffney and Adam Manis. Uh, at the moment, I'd vote for Rory Gaffney, but when it comes to voting, uh, if that's still the case, well then we'll see then. But uh, I think it's definitely between them two and Andy Lyons for... Young player of the year. How many points will we get in the conference group? Uh, it'd be very tough. I'd like us to get three. I think we may only get one though. Uh, where that where they'll come from is uh, is another matter. Maybe Maldi at home. I think we could draw with them at home or maybe beat them at home. I think your gardens and Ghent would be very tough. Maldi be tough too, but um, whether we get any, I, I'd I'd say no, but I'd hope for the best. If you know what I mean. Who will be in charge of Dalymount Park? Uh, I think Gary's friend Killian M2 will be in charge of Dalymount Park. To be honest, he's an absolute clown. He thinks he knows it all. Um, he'll also be in charge of the bee colony. Thanks, lads. Hello, Tifty's Hotline. This is Justin Mason here, or as most people know me, Juz. Um, Great to be on. Um, so what was my favourite European trip of Rovers? Oh, look, I think my favourite moment was definitely Spurs in 2011. Um, when the goal went in, not just the fact White has scored us, but and that White Hart Lane, but I think the fact that we was with, I was with my dad and my uncle, and my uncle has since passed, he's my godfather as well. I think to be with them at that moment was just really, really special. Um, and considering where he, we had been just over six years earlier, to go from there, you got no business to score at home, one of the English English football's biggest clubs was was a, was. A, was amazing, but I think the fact I shared it with my dad and my uncle was was brilliant. And my cousin mentioned it, and my uncle's usually when he passed away in twenty sixteen, and so it hit me like a train when he said it. But my favourite trip was probably Lithuania in 20, uh, 2012. It's not really mentioned as a great European trip because the result it was a bad result, and the team coming off the pitch that night um, was pretty. You know, they got a lot of stick and. For anyone who was there remembers it and I was on the club charter um, and Stephen Kenny looked a broken man getting on the plane that night, he really did. But it was a great trip, great time in Vilnius. Uh, you know, we go crack in the town, I think we ended up in, I think it was a gay bar. Um, it, it certainly looked like, but the music was, the music was good because it was 80s music and the drink was fairly cheap. So it was, it was a great pub, really good boozer. Um, I think Brian Mason had just wandered off and found this place. Um, and I think there was two couples uh, who were in there who would normally go down on Monday and they walk in, it's probably a quiet night and they found 13, I think it was 13 or 14 paid Irish blokes and one Irish girl I think because Bob and Arlo went together um, in there but it was great crack, brilliant trip um, just unfortunate I think the result at the time but um, one other, oh, I was rooming with Brian Mason, he left there to get a taxi and I think he shared it back with Bob and Arlo, I think they got a bit of a sh- a bit of a fright because fairness Brian was well on and you think he was wandering around the, the hotel when I got back I was like you left an hour ago yeah yeah I was just wandering around the lobby he told me the next day he'd wander down towards the swimming pool hotel but yeah that was a really good trip up until the game kicked off 
um, and coming home was tough. But that would probably be my favourite European trip, having not been on as many as I should have been due to real life situations. But certainly, um, that's going going to rectify that going forward. Um, I tried to do it in 2020, and that was my plan. I'd save and save, and uh, obviously I did did with further things, but um, COVID obviously happened and stuff like that. But I, um, but I have a few bad there now, so looking forward to spending it. I haven't done any before this year. Uh, I was, I planned on going to Malta and I remember looking forward to the date of the draw, June the 14th, but uh, unfortunately on the June the 13th, as many will know, my father now passed away, so my wife Brenda was still saying, look, go, go, but I, I wouldn't have felt right going. I wouldn't have enjoyed it and been constantly worried about her. It was just too soon after her, her father's passing, so. Uh, in the end, I didn't go to Malta, and I remember being like looking at all the lads uh, tweeting and on WhatsApp chats and Facebook and Instagram, seeing all the pictures, and being a, not being jealous at all because I knew it was the right decision that I made for that trip. For the other three, uh, a couple made me related to work was why I didn't go, and I just think I was thinking well, once we got past Malta, I was thinking we could get a group stage once, so I'd rather hold on for that probably quite vain of me and, and if people want to give out to me their rights but that's what I did. Uh, I'm going to Ghent and um, I have to say I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going with two of my best mates who I wouldn't know for obviously just did not seeing Kevin and Scott Kerwin so with the three of us going to be some sort it's going to be a great trip and I'll meet up with all the hoops I see lads Lisa Buzz, Dunster, Ferg, Martin, Donald Dunn, Sean Smith, Ralph Murphy, all them boys so and um, for left any amount, I'm sorry lads, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing them on the trip as well. So it's going to be great crack in a couple of weeks' time. Really can't wait for it. Um real uh real I used to take for work uh, back about ten years ago because I was working in Brussels, so fairly straightforward Brussels and then the Tifties bus, so looking forward to that lads, should be a good bit of crack on the bus going to that. Also have a temptation of looking to going to uh Alkmaar for the under for the youth game. It's three hours back and it's a six hour round trip, so I'm not sure we'll do that with seeing me get there, but you never know what two weeks' time will bring. Um, travel mishap or horror story, not in Europe really. Um, I think European, I went, my first trip was Jor Gardens in 2002. I remember um, we flew into Stansted on the on the Sunday, Wednesday evening, and our flight was the first thing out of the Stockholm, a place called Skavasta, on the Thursday morning. So we played football in the airport. It was like the Brazil out of 98, but a few people who were in the airport weren't too happy with us, but we still did it. I think on the way back, we'd come back on the Saturday morning and we'd been out late on the Friday night and we almost missed the bus because it was a, a bus from Stockholm to Skavasta, which Ryanair would have put on. But uh, thank you, you made it, even if we're in a bit of a jock. But uh, another one would famously be, guys, was actually in a League of Ireland match um, in 93. It was in the old Shamrock Rovers Supporters Club and we were using the coach company from Dublin 4 and we were playing away in Dundalk. It was a game where Ring of Fire started and uh, we're all waiting there on the keys there. No sign of the bus, nothing. Thankfully there was a bus company down just near City Key where I live called Aerobus and uh, they had a spare bus so I think I think it was the likes of Paul Clay would have been on the committee at the time and Robert Goggins and Michael Moriarty and all. They managed to get the bus and we got to Dundalk, it was the old way to Dundalk, so there was no motorway. We got there late and as we were walking into Oriel, we were, we were in the way section of the stand, you were allowed to go down, which is the far side of the stand it is now. And we heard a wrong, we thought Dundalk had scored. And next time we go in and all the Rovers fans are telling us, no, 1-0 Gagan had scored for us. So we won 2-1 that day. Brilliant. 
win it by Terry Everston. But that that was a f funny mishap because uh, we missed it. We missed it. Pretty like obviously the bus delayed us, so it's memorable for that. Another one was when I went to we played Waterford in twenty two thousand three. Again, we were famously 2 0 down, 3 0 down, came back to 3 3 and missed a penalty in the last minute to win. Um, one of the lads drove that day, but there was a. In Tullow and Carlo, there was road war, so you had to be diverted. And instead of taking the second left, we took the tour, or the tour left, we took the second left, and ended up a place called Fighting Cox in Carlo. Never heard of it. Came back out through and we made the game, but we got in, we were 20 minutes late and we were always a two down. But never never heard of a place called Fighting Cox before, I just thought the name was funny as well. One Rovers game I regret not going to. Um, yeah, like, I mean, there's, there's, there's a few. I think I would have loved to have been in Brand in 2019. That looked an amazing trip, um, but so saving hard for a house at the time, so I couldn't really justify it. Um, that would have been brilliant to be there. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, that would have been a. Uh, that would have been one. Uh, do I buy the hoop scene every week? Yes, always have, always will. Sold it for a long time. Wrote for in it for a long time, and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful production. There is a train of thought out there that the program should be disbanded and everyone could go online. But I'll give a personal viewpoint to my father. My father doesn't is of an age where he doesn't do computers. He's of that generation, you know, and his connection with the club, the find out what's going on the club is the program. And if for that alone, I think it should always be continued. Because obviously, like myself, I'm a collector and you've got people who like to collect them, but it's still for a lot of people, it's that communication from the club. And I think that's a big thing. And I think it definitely should be staying. It's very good value for money. Fiverr as well. It was four quid since 20, 2007. Because I remember we were selling the time and it went from three to four and the sort of stick I got. But for a fiver, it's well worth it. Considering you see what other clubs charge and what they produce, it's it's certainly well worth it. Um, I think it's fine as it is, guys. It's um, I don't think it needs any improvement. I think the articles are really good. I think you know you've likes of Carl McDowell, Jason, you've got any new young lads. Well, Ian doing the halftime quiz. Even if he did say in what year did Finn Harrison the nineteen seventy four FAI Cup final one on one quiz question. But um, yeah, it's 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 brilliant program, and I think Robert and the team deserve a hell of a lot of credit because it's really really good. I would usually read it on a Saturday morning in bed, and um, wake up and you know I'll read it, or else I'll read it downstairs having a cup of my breakfast. Uh, that's what I usually do. Um, yeah, I'm, the, I'm uh, do I have the club officially? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm the treasurer of the Rings End, and um, have been since the start of it. P.O.R. in 2006 and it's something like doing and um, we have a great committee there we've the star was like Ed and myself and Donald and Ben and we and with the three young lads of Luna Kieran and I'm going to give him his full title here Sean his real title because he is that's cousin but we all know him as Sean uh, the, the, three, the three lads have been a birth of fresh air for us and we have a good committee we have a great membership and um, I think you've seen I think whoever came down for the, the gay game in Macedonia to watch in the Irish townhouse would have seen how good how close we are and the good crack we have so definitely more things to come um, what would I like to do It would would it be a role or something I'd like to do one day I remember saying in college when I was 17 I'd love to own the club and I think I realised that when I was 28 but not, I meant myself nah. but uh, I think um yeah, look, I, I, I think I'm happy out yeah, with just being a member. Um, 
and uh, Rovers is my escape, Rovers is a thing. I'd always felt if I did uh, something official for the club and I made a mistake, I'm on these guys make a mistake and walk, it affects me. But if I did it for Rovers, I think it would just kill me. It would not kill me, it would drive me mad and I wouldn't be able to talk to people. So on that basis now. Uh, who would be my player of the year? Um, it would be Rory Gaffney. I think he's been absolutely outstanding for us this year. His link-up play is brilliant. He brings other players into it. His power and his pace has been fantastic. I think the game against Dundalk proved it. And uh, in Europe, he's been really good as well. Given Andro mentioned the Sean Howard, I think he's been very good for us this year. Um, and Chris McCann also. But to me, it's a... Uh, um, Rory Gaffney's the player of the year, definitely so far. Um, how many points are we getting in the conference field? My heart says 18. Uh, I'd like to think we'll, we'll get two home wins, one home draw, and maybe one home point away. So I'll go for eight, you know. Um, who will be charged to be Connie Damon next season? Well, if any's watched Bachelor's Walk, there's a famous scene where uh, Simon Delaney's character is at a... Um, is at a school reunion, he's drunk, he wanders into a bee convention and he goes, what's in it for the bees? And he goes, free the bees. And I've just seen Simon Delaney has just left um, TV3 to the water projects, or Virgin Media to the water projects. So maybe the other person is a power manager because he can free the bees. I'm not sure he'll take it. Um, I thought the timing is strange, but why give a, a manager nine players and then let them go? Um, I think part of it is because they're fear-facing us and if he kept them, we get them a hammer. Um, tonight, that's probably why he would have left. Um, I'm expecting a bounce from them, but I still think we'll beat them. I still think we're the better players, and we should do that. I think Jim Crawford looks the one, but I'd like to think the FAI would, as I go to you know, 20 matches, will hold him down. Um, but we'll wait and see. You wouldn't know about you know. So thanks, lads. Look after yourselves and take care. Bye bye bye. Yeah, so some great memories and um, some good insight into. I love the way we have all aspects like Dunster absolute veteran of the game OG Rovers fan and then you've got Steven Taylor who's only coming into bloom you could say <coughs> he's coming into to start to bloom as a Rovers fan and Justin of course David Hanley Scott Kieran brilliant stuff yeah, great I'm glad, insight I'm glad you noticed that because sometimes we're picking people who you know we're asking them, like do you read hoop scene and they say no and we ask them have you been in European games and they say no if I, if I only picked people who could answer every question all the time you'd have to be at least 50 years old yeah yeah because yeah. you'd have to have been and done it all so sometimes it is good to hear from younger people and it's like don't if you like, don't if you don't read Hoopstein tell us why if you haven't gone in Europe yet mm. tell us why I find that interesting too a nice array of questions don't just yeah. like the LL Cool J of the fucking Rovers world and if you were compared to rap he's been there he's done it all he's sold the albums he licked his lips um uh, yeah, Stephen Terrell says uh, the kebabs were gorgeous. Ah oh, man, you just love. I love eating random things that I. I'd rather just not know. You know when I can't understand what it is in a foreign menu. Yeah, I have that. And then it comes out and you're like, ooh. Then the thing is still limping around the plate. That's gonna be my pause, you know, in uh, <laughs> Belgium and Sweden. Yeah. Uh, Dave's choice for uh, in charge of the B Conley. Uh, that gentleman. There was a great quote about him from Ryan McDyre who proceeded to win the internet he said da it's 1am are you not going to sleep no son I need to make a montage of fans of a club I don't support misbehaving <laughs> that's what I said close down Twitter's done here's your trophy you've won Twitter 
There you go. There you go. Absolutely unbelievable stuff. From the coefficient head case. Hey, some more version this week. <laughs> um, yes, so Prof, we're going to move on. Because we have the stats. <laughs> yeah, here's one I liked, actually. Um, I should have said it last week. It only popped into my head now. Um, Andy Lyons winner in Drada. That was the first time we won a game in extra time since James Doona's 120th minute Cork winner home. over Cork. In that the, was nuts, League Cup, wasn't it? In the 2017 League Cup semi-final. Yeah, I thought that was a good start. Now we've that lot. picture based. Yeah, <laughs> that's all we could celebrate back then. It's a bit cringy thinking about it now, but at the time it meant a lot to us. Um, since then we've lost twice at Dundalk in the cup. Uh, one being the cup final. We lost two European games in extra time: Sweden, Cyprus. We lost we a Bray League Cup game went to penos. The cup final we won went to penos. Ilves went to penos. So that's the last time we won. Last time we won away was Belgrade. Mm. Have won an extra time away Jesus. from home. Have got a winner in that thirty minutes since Belgrade. Superb away from home. Um, record attendance is all time home in Europe. Was obviously Man United at Daily Mount Park in 1957. That was 46,500. Jesus. In Tala, the European record was 8,500 against Spurs. That's when we had the temporary seating. Yep. It was quite funny when I was doing up the graphic for the programme. I had I listed out the four teams in the group and I had their stadium and the capacity. So on page two, I have Tala Stadium, capacity 8,000. <laughs> and on page one, I have... Tala record uh, attendance eight and a half thousand. <laughs> so if you wait for look at that, they're like, hmm, odd. Uh, also had a couple of stats about um, Jack Byrne. This should be an easy one. I could have put this in the quiz actually. Last European game Jack started. What is it? Uh, Ilves. Nope, that was round one. What was it? AC Milan. Oh, wasn't 20, far off. In 2020, yeah. Wasn't far off. Um, the records we've been talking about for a few weeks now, we should know at this stage. <clears throat> Finner's on 54 European appearances, he can break Gary Rogers' record. Bradshaw's on 12 wins, he can break Stephen Kenny's record. Um, Only ever Swede to play for us was, of course, Oscar Janssen. Ooh. Who, uh... We've actually arranged an interview with. He got back to me a little too late to do the program. So I was actually going to do it for the program, but since he got back to me late, we're going to make it a podcast interview He's now. He's going to be on Tifties. So uh, it should be interesting. And um, Did he make the worst 11? I wouldn't think so. Did he make the worst Ray 11? Ray Peter say, I think, made. Didn't Fieger pick him? Yeah, okay, so he didn't. I think we had. No, he didn't. He didn't make it. I was no. just make sure he didn't mention he was that. Young, he was young player of the year, so I mean, he's hardly yeah. a worst. No, he, I thought he came kind of good in the end. I forgot that he's actually played with a few players in this team because he was saying like, "Oh, tell Greener, Gano, and Finner, best of luck." Oh, I was no like, way. "I was like, oh yeah, you played with them, definitely Finn." Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, Rovers have won a European tie in four consecutive seasons, um, which is significant because the, the best we'd ever do before that was two. 2010-2011 winning or being awarded a penalty in Europe um, 
we got one uh, against Slovan Bratislava, Berkey scored, mm. and then Scooby, uh, Berkey scored one against them. But we've not been given a penalty away from home in Europe since Gary McCabe in Finland, 2016. So it's been a while. Yes. Uh, Ferenc Varys was our 50th European home match. So a bit of a milestone there. And um, one I liked as well, Tata Stadium home games. There's only two that we lost when we scored in the match. So every other game we've at least drawn or won when we've, when we've got a goal. And the two were Pauk in 2011. Oh, then he, he free kicked. Salpingidis. Sibes, I interviewed Sibes in the program Possibly recently. And he, he talked about Salpingidis and said, no, he was too sharp for me. Yeah. Couldn't cope with him. And the other was Milada Bodislav with the Berkey. Worldy. Mm. Lost 3-2. Every other game we've been beaten in Tata, we didn't score in the game. Oh. And 2002, you mentioned there in the quiz, Kim Kallstrom. And... Uh, He's a great championship manager game. Oh yeah, big time. Player, sorry, good championship manager yeah. player. Him and uh Isaacson, the goalkeeper, they were both making their European debuts at Tolga Park in Jeez, that game. Isaacson, he went on to be a superkeeper. Yeah, he did. He had a terrible time at Man City, which was it was funny listening to that because um you mentioned under the cosh earlier. Uh they had a keeper on was it Nicky was it Weaver? Oh, yeah, yeah, jeez. He, uh, Sven Garn Eriksson came in. I can't remember what year this was, but maybe t- uh, like 2007, 8, 9, around there somewhere. Sven Garn Eriksson came in, and Weaver said, Ah, oh, Swedish manager, he's going to pick Isaacson. This is no brainer. And I think, I think he just had a bad game in his debut or something. And then he went back in, and he was keeping out two top class keepers. He was funny, supposed to be third choice. Nicky Weaver, jeez, yeah. that's, a name. that's a blast in the past. Um, Steve McGuinness, that was a, a, a quiz question on LOA Central. Who scored our goal in that tie? Steve McGuinness got oh, the goal. Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't get that one. I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know what it was. I actually had it as a quiz question as, as myself a few weeks earlier. And uh, yeah, that's my stats. So that's it, Prof, with the stats. But next up, Prof, Stan Levins and predictions. <laughs> Okay, tough enough one. I've been, I've been going, going through this. I'm gonna go Manus Grace Horgannon. So Manus Grace Horgannon clearly was excellent against Bowes, but I've, oh, I think Gannon in Europe. He needs to do. A, he needs to get his Ray Whelan on I, I can't a tone. I can't drop Cleary. He's been brilliant. I needs he needs atonement. I think it's just. I think Gannon has far too much experience. Not to say that Cleary doesn't. It's harsh on him possibly, but I think the three boys here, Finn right wing back, Lions left wing back. I'm going Gary O'Neill and McCann. McCann was in contention. I think he's going to bring on McCann off the bench for a couple of games before he starts. Possibly, him. yeah, but I'm going to start him. Fuck it. Go for it. Let's go for it. Two of the boys in the middle. I mean, what's the alternative? Well, who are you going to put in for McCann if you're if you're not going to start him? Tell. Like I said recently, he sees Tell as a starter in Europe. In these games, yeah. So yeah. we're going off our, our, our choice. Our choice. Yeah. I'm going McCann. And then I'm going to go Jack um, Gaff and Fersley. I'm starting Fersley. Man, the match against against Fernandes Ferros. He's an unknown entity to these guys. 
the the element of the unknown will will catch them on the hop. And who's to say that Fairness Varus are, are, are better than Jorgardens or Jorgens? You know what I mean? That's that's what I'm taking from this. I'm looking at it. I think they beat they won one nil away on the weekend, so they a one nil win on the road. Like what's to say that we can't beat these at home? Fortress Teleprof. So no what's no tell no green. No, there's your subs there. Yeah. And I'm gonna say like I said, I fancy us. I think Mould might. I think we'll get a draw against Mould, and I think we'll beat Ghent, and we're going to beat Jorgardens. So I'm going to say a 1 0 win. A tight, tight 1 0. Entertaining Conference League game with um, Jack with a bit of magic. Roy, well, McCann's been on the bench last the game, so we don't we don't have the inside track on where he is. No, but I, I would like to see him start as well, actually. Nice, if, if he's If he's ready. And Brancer thinks he's ready. Then I would like to see him with, with Gary O'Neill. I would pick him ahead of Watts. I agree and Hill. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to play Greener instead of Justin, and I'm going to play Cleary instead of. Gannon. Oh, Prof gives your prediction. I'm saying one 0 I have the same prediction. I think we're going to get a one 0 win. And yes, these, okay. these these do sound very good though. They're a strong team. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean... But in saying that, I mean, how much can you compare this to us winning 1-0 in the Friends Arena in front of all those fans? Ultimately mm. going out. You know what I mean? Like, anything can happen in Tala. That's the way I see it. Also, it's a, this is this is Brazzers' first group match. Um, Every time we've had a European game under Brazzer, it's always been, we're at home first. We had the ha- fans behind us and mm. we might get an upset win. Yeah. Or we're away second, haven't come back from an away defeat. So there's been all these psychological factors. This is a group of six matches. It's Everyone has a clean slate now. So this should be interesting to see how this pans out, yeah, this game. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Um, and Brazzer said he called them a typical Scandinavian team in the way they play. Is this the equivalent of them calling us British? Oh, that sounds, that sounds bad. That sounds... Oh. Scandinavia is so broad, though. It's it? a big place. <laughs> Loads of football being played. Yeah. He picked out the centre-forward. Um, Ericsson, is it? He's, he's supposed to be excellent. Mm. Um, I think yeah. they have a, a they have an ex-Sunderland ace as well, Joel Asoro. He's going to be a bit of a handful. Be checking him yeah, out. Yeah, well, Philip, Philip filled us in, didn't he, on a few of the Danish oh, yes. players earlier. But... Um, Apparently they're going to plan on bringing a huge support. Um, I'm looking at it the same way that we kind of blew our beans in Malta. We kind of, everybody went to Malta and fucking went nuts. This is the first group stage game. I think everybody's going to go nuts for this This one. is their first group. That's what I'm saying. In history. In history. So yeah. they're all going to go mental for this. You know, they all want to be there. Same thoughts that we have. Everybody, like We're all going to Ghent. They're all going to Dublin. So yeah. accessible enough. Flights cheapish. I'd say they got on early enough. They got these flights, you know. So well, I'd you say and I, were, we weren't there obviously in two thousand two with Halka. Um, despite Sean Francis' beliefs that we were at all these games, <laughs> but uh, apparently <laughs> they apparently they nearly filled out the whole Riverside end of Talca. Yeah, we're looking which, at which a mob. Would be a couple of thousand, wouldn't it? So, we're looking at a mob. Apparently they made some noise. So uh, it's a cool story, isn't it? Twenty years apart. Yeah. You're, you're going back in, in Dublin except this time we're in Tadden now Hoop um, scene prof tell us about it what have you got what have we got yeah I got an interview with uh, Pat Walker he uh, he was born in Carlow he played one season with Bowles in the 80s but then he went to Sweden and he ended up staying there for the rest of his life 
He played for a couple of clubs. There had to have been a female involved. <laughs> yeah, his wife was Swedish. There we go. He went over and a, uh, a relative of his wife was a big fan of Gothenburg. And he said, will you come and train with us? And and Sven was manager at the time. What? And they went on to win the UEFA Cup of that season. So they were a, a big club, strong team. So then he ends up staying. Big, big and strong. Yeah, big and strong. He ends up staying, uh, coaching. He had three years in Norway. Uh, his sons, Kevin and Patrick, they grew up to be footballers. But they still... Uh, have you know um, connections to Ireland they still always come back to Ireland for, for um, on summer holidays and all that um, you might people might be aware of this might have seen it online years ago uh, Kevin was a bit of a singer and just by chance he auditioned for the Swedish pop idol and they loved him so much he went on and won the thing what while maintaining a top flight career with Orobro, uh, who who his dad was managing at the time, and he never missed a training session. They actually moved games around to fit his uh, uh, performances in Pop Idol. Jesus, mad story. Uh, so he won that, and then he he played uh, six seasons with uh, Eurogardens. Did quite well. What's Cap- his fella's name? Uh, Kevin Walker. Kevin Walker. His dad. The dad is Pat Walker. Uh, so, yeah, so he had six seasons at your garden. Is he a better man? Uh, what? Is he going to be a better man? <laughs> a better man. Um, like we said, and Kalstrom and Isaacson came back to, to them before they retired, so he played with them. Steeped, steeped in folklore and history here. And, uh, he says he keeps an eye on us. Yeah, he, watch, he, he likes what he sees at Roberts. Um, um, other than that, I got, um, I've done an agency of Europe. you got Maloney writing about. Robbers in Europe, Macedonia, and uh, and and the 2002 game. Robert has a couple of pieces on the 2002 match. McDerry um, interviews Sean Hoare. So as always, loads of stuff. Excellent stuff. Go out and spend your fibers on hoop scene, and we have an eight o'clock kickoff time on Thursday. So get down, get those last tickets. Also, we've got a special European jersey. You know why we had one. I think we had one, didn't we, in 2011? Mm, yes, the white one. So a no, ha- was it? The design has to be a certain way. Like there has to be a frame around the numbers. It's actually a requirement. We're back with that. With this, yeah. the patch, the, the patch. patch, yeah, the patch is back. We were talking about that. We actually talked about that, and I think I got hammered for it. I was like, Rovers fans are mental. I was like, well, I want to know where the patch is. Like, <laughs> oh, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dairy away. This one, oh, prof. This one. So. Let's let's break it down again like we normally do, okay? So we're gonna be in Ghent. We've kick off uh half six quarter to seven local time, right? Quarter to seven, half seven, quarter eight, half eight. Players showered and washed and dressed out there by half nine, right? Let's say they're going home, which they will be, straight away. Flight is at midnight, right? So flight's at midnight, they get home all hours on the Friday morning. They go to sleep and let's say they get to bed at maybe four or five in the morning, right? So they wake up, what do they do on the Friday? I don't know, probably a day off, recovery room, something like that. And then Saturday, probably the lightest of sessions. And then they have to go to Derry on the morning of a quarterfinal of a cup. Of, like, it doesn't sound great, does it? Yeah. If that's how it is, or maybe they're staying the night. They'll stay on the Thursday, bit of R&R on the Friday, fly into Derry on the Saturday or Belfast. Then they're relaxing, they're in a hotel, and then they play, stay the night Saturday, playing the Sunday. I don't know what way it's going to work. The odds are against us here, let's be honest. 
I'm sick, man. I'm sick. It's dairy away on a Sunday. Uh, I, I plan on going. Like I'm not. I'm not being defeatist. I'm planning on going, and I I want this double like everyone else. I yeah. really want this double. But if we're gonna do it, it's the hardest road possible. Yep, it really is. But listen, I think like Barry said, if you want to win the cup, you got to be the best. Yeah, five p.m. kickoff. Actually, it will be a novelty. Getting, I could be in bed. By midnight after the brandy well, which I've has never happened before. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. It's a novelty, all right. Um, revised kickoff time for Shells at home, October 9th, five p.m. to facilitate RTE. And uh, yeah, that is pretty much it for this week's show. Bumper packed show, prof. Um, we gotta bring on the Swedes. Bring on these Swedes on Thursday. I'm going for a one 0 win, and then we've Finn Harps on the Sunday, am I right? We haven't even mentioned. Yeah, we've been talking about our prediction. Uh, Tonk. 3-0. Tonk! We don't tonk. What was, the, what was the noise? What noise did I make? Because Fieker sent me a message and he was like, do the noise. <laughs> I can't remember what noise I made. Do the noise, was Gary. <laughs> Is that the tonk noise? That was the first one you did. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm making them up. But you can't see Gary's crotch movements here. crotch no, movements you're not getting the full package we need we need the Patreon back no I don't think <laughs> no it's not talk right either way listen we're done we're done. we'll see you in the south stand and I'm going 4 now. I'm going to Tonkin on Friday or on Sunday Tonkin for Harps and um, we'll go someone to get a hat-trick but still July 2021 away in Derry the last time we scored four goals in a league match. Oh, God's sake. Also, the last time Ronald Finn scored in a league match. <laughs> Probably, he's definitely going to score. But you're money on Finner. But that's it. We'll see you in the South Stand and keep on hooping. See you.